time. Yeah, give me some of them little hush puppies. Ooh, I love them hush puppies. Throw them some bacon cheeseburgers and everything on it. Uh, maybe a peanut butter and a sandwich and a big bag of chips. Uh, and a sausage, uh, half a pound of deck cheese, and a big old stack of silver dollar pancakes. Maybe a six-pack of Formula 44D. Put nibbles on the bottles, will you? That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with a brand new episode of the Boochcast. Party on, Vinny. Party on, Elvis. And uh, it's been a while since we've done the uh, variety show, as we like to call it, here on the Boochcast. Uh, we're putting it out a day later than we normally would because uh, it was Valentine's Day. So I had to put out the classic review of St. Valentine's Day Massacre. So I uh, hope you guys uh, enjoyed that. If you haven't seen it already, then after you're done listening to this, go back over there. But uh, I've been getting so much ready for this episode, I have not come up with a title for this one. So I don't oh, know. Elvis, you got an idea? I do. What do you, you want to call it? Elvis is super special variety show and AEW recap. Okay. <laughs> Elvis is super simple. Oh yeah. I hope I got enough. Oh, there's enough room on anchor to type that in, but uh, hopefully we'll be so able- Elvis is super special variety show slash AEW recap. If we have time allotted. Yes. Hashtag <laughs> Zach Robin. <Robinoff. laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, we did the AW recap a few weeks back. We actually, uh, yeah, you, you forgot to sign off. All the things, Elvis, that you plugged that were very good, you, you forgot the ramen noodles, which shocked me. You know, I know, I, it slipped my mind. And plus, you know, I think I blacked out, I think, when I had the last podcast. Um, I was, like, so neighbor and I hear myself, and I was, like, mumbling the whole time. Like, I've been wrestling, and Ugh. yeah, it was um, it was incoherent rantings. I'm glad you guys could follow along. If not, then I will edit later and make a little bouncing ball. And you guys can follow along with my 
drunken ramblings. <laughs> yes, and of course, um, part of the reason that we're including the AEW recap on this one is that we have a valid reason this time uh, for not being able to get it out last week, and that was because Elvis uh, went to Puerto Rico. And uh, I did. And dude, from the from the from the photos and videos that you sent me, and from what uh, Lee Marie posted on her social media, it seems like you guys had a hell of a time. Yeah, man, it was definitely nice. It was a nice getaway. I definitely need it. Um, you know, you have, you have to go to Puerto Rico. You have to get vaccinated. So I did get my boat shots. Unfortunately, I was totally against it for the longest part. But um, you know, uh, when Puerto Rico comes calling, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So not gonna go anywhere in the world. Um, I got there. The first couple of days it rained, which is unfortunate. But we still made you know events out of it. We went shopping to um, to the stores out there, which is pretty cool. Got some clothes. Got some shirts. Got some shorts. Uh, went to the beach two days in a row. Uh, and the other day I went hiking. Um, not known to tourists, but only to the locals out there. Uh, we went with my friend Nestor. Uh, his girlfriend gave us coordinates to go to some kind of place. So you're supposed to, supposedly, we, which we did, took about 45 minutes to drive up this mountain, pretty much, like from where he picked me up, and then drive to the belly of the mountain, and then follow a trail for about an hour and a half, where you end up at a waterfall. So it was um, pretty spectacular. Um, I won't have photographs up there, but Vinny could probably put some up there on his... Uh, on the Boochcast, all platforms, obviously, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and all the other places, uh, you could see photographs. So I'll probably send some to Vinny just to have. So you guys could see my life, because I refuse to accept any of you guys out there. No disrespect, no hate. Um, I, You know I have a love-hate relationship with social media. And um, I just keep it on there to keep my photographs on there and private, because I'm just a weirdo with a, with a tinfoil hat who doesn't want Big Brother to watch what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, you guys can follow along with all the love out there on the on the Boochcast, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, anything else that's on here. And um, I'll send some photographs as well, so you guys can see what we did. It was pretty nice. It was definitely it was definitely some good R and R time. Uh, definitely much needed. Um, I got back late Thursday. My plane was delayed twice. Uh, got a couple hours of sleep, and I had to like work the next morning, and like with like little to no sleep. But I'm kind of used to it being here. But I mean, it was super fun. Great time. I would recommend if you have a chance to get out there, but you cannot go unless you are fully vaccinated because Puerto Rico, you could probably get in, but you won't get out. <laughs> unless, you know, so, you know, be on the safe side. And if you don't want to take it, hey, man, all the power to you. I'm with you. But, um, you know, I like to vacation, like to do things outside of the United States. And uh, Puerto Rico is always my go-to destination. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a hell of a place uh, from what I've seen in photos and stuff. And, um, you know, um, speaking of, you know, you know, you know, the vaccine and everything else, uh, I'm not going to go into like a debate on it but i do know that um i think like what i've learned is is that you know it it i think like covid affects people in like different ways depending on how your immune system already is and i'm saying this is somebody who last month uh you know i actually i'm not gonna lie it caught me covid finally caught up with me um i was which i was shocked because i was like because during the height of the pandemic two years ago i was essential i was still working at lowe's i was still going to work five days a week i had I, you know and it was just you know like I was there all the time, you know, mask. Sometimes I had it on. Sometimes I just, some, there were days where I was like, fuck it with the damn thing. But um, either way, and I never caught it. So I honestly felt like, well, I got through the worst of it, so I should be okay. But then uh, Mr. Uh, Om Omnic Omnicron, or as Gator likes to call it, Omarion, uh, showed up. And that some bitch got me. And uh, not only did it get me, it caught me, it caught my dad, it caught my brother at one time. The only person who survived was my mother. She was the only one that didn't get negative. Negative, and we found out the reason why is because right around the time my dad tested positive, my mother had just gotten her booster shot. 
So even though whether you're vaccinated or not or boosted or not, you can still catch it, but it was still fresh in her body, in her system, so it was able to easily fight it off. Now, that's again, that's not to say she couldn't catch it down the road, but it hit my it hit my dad really bad and he's vaccinated. It hit me and my brother, neither one of us are vaccinated, and um, even though I did rest up because I happened to catch it during MLK weekend, so I had three days where I could just sit in bed and take care of it. It wasn't quite as horrible for me as it was for other people. Yeah, I had a bad cough, a chronic cough, but I didn't really have to go to the hospital or anything. Well, I mean, like I think your mom, because she works at Hogwarts, she is the headmaster there, um, that, you know, Repulso Covidodo uh, makes all the germs go away. And, you know, Vinny, I kind of blame myself. You know, remember, I caught COVID um, early in January myself. I was out for about 10 days. And, uh, you know, I was essential too. You know, I was out in the field, you know, doing my insurance stuff, whatever, writing estimates, going to shops, looking doorknobs, you know, typical stuff, typical yeah. stuff, right? Exactly. So, um, but you're right, I got the Omicron thing as well too. Um, and it was like the whole thing where I hurt like my lower back. Actually, let me scratch that. So it happened like at the end of the day and um, had a huge headache and I knew something was off because I never have headaches. Vinny, you know me to drink, be, be quite the drinker actually. Yes, um, very much so. So I typically drink, you know, every other night and you know it's nothing crazy or excess but i do drink every other night and sometimes i go harder sometimes i don't like the last like the last taping i went pretty hard i think i had uh i was just drinking johnny walker red <laughs> on the rocks like just straight chugging um i think like we did a three-hour podcast in three hours i refilled my cup three times so um it was a good night yeah that but, was a um, very good night but the thing is like i typically don't get you know hangovers i don't get a headache really typically i don't um usually if i do i'll just take my adderall in the morning i'm fine you know no big shit and uh i remember in the morning i take my adderall every morning you know when i have work and uh weird thing is i had taken the adderall i went to work and i felt like i had a headache it was more than just a headache i felt like you know when you smoke a joint or something and you're all high right in the morning mm -hmm. like first thing you're all just like weird so i remember i was driving and i was just like man i got this weird pulsating thing on top of my head and then my lower back was hurting and now you know I'm, I'm 42 years old i'm a little bit older i'm not saying like i got the arthritis you know but uh sometimes before it rains like i kind of tell it's gonna rain because i feel it in my lower back you know just like a small little pinch you know i just feel like my, my dad had it on his knees so i have it on my back um but then it got to my shoulder blades and i'm like okay Okay, something's definitely off so i called my supervisor i'm like hey not for nothing but uh i don't feel right i told him like hey my lower back my shoulder blades and i got a weird headache i'm gonna go to the clinic and get tested because i don't want to get anybody you know i don't want to spread this shit if i'm going to shops and licking doorknobs like i always do um so then i called him up he said yeah go ahead D you know get that taken care of i went to the clinic uh they told me to come back within two hours because they were busy but i just pretty much sat in my car and was making phone calls and shit uh got back tested positive came home and, uh, you know, I had to sit there and stay home. Um, what I did was they gave you a whole bunch of Claritin and all this other shit they're supposed to give you, like Robitussin and all this stuff. I'll tell you what did it for me. Um, the first day I was in agonizing pain because my back was just hurting like a bitch. And I took a whole bunch of Tylenol. And for some reason, I could take like, you know, it's 500 milligrams. I could take like three or four of those and that shit has no effect on me. But if you take an ibuprofen, 1000 milligrams, that shit takes the pain away. And I don't want to, you know, discount Omicron because it is a bitch and it does fucking suck. But those painkillers like are way better. I think I took one during the day and one in the afternoon, like or before I went to bed. And that was right. I mean, I just had to wait it out because the CDC makes you wait, what, 10 days? Um, and you got to test positive or test negative to go back to work. So, you know, I took a test every other day um, to see what's going on. They're like, no, you're supposed to wait 10 days. So I, I kept testing, kept testing, got negative and went back to work, obviously. But I mean, it was it sucks. But, um, you know, and after, after that, though, I got my shot. And then after I got my second shot, like, I think like three weeks later. And then I think like a week after I went to Puerto Rico. 
then here we are. That was my experience with the COVID. And I feel sorry, too, because when I was sick, I stopped by Vinny's house and um, I copped into, like, a handkerchief I left in his mailbox. So, Vinny, I apologize for <laughs> getting you and your whole family uh, sick with that COVID. I'm sorry. I was, like, at the very tail end of it. I'm like, ah, it won't matter. <clears throat> Vinny, I was here. Bye. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Um, I was just saying, because, like, if it wasn't for my dad, though, I probably would have never got tested because the I, the cough that I've had was – I've had it for a while, but yeah, I never – but it never really, I never thought it was because, like, first of all, like I said, I honestly thought I would never catch it. I really did. I was that arrogant of a person. But not just that, but I also know that I usually get sick at least twice a year. And this is pre-COVID. I always got sick in the wintertime. Just, I don't know why. I just did. And then in April, it would fuck with, the pollen would come in and that would fuck with me. So that's why it was hard for me to pinpoint, like, me getting sick to think that it's COVID. It wasn't until my father texted me and said, hey, I tested positive and we all needed to go get tested. So I made an appointment at the clinic. Uh, my boss told me to stay home until I got the results. And when I was positive, he wanted me to stay home for two weeks and get a negative test before I could go back. And I'm going to say this right now to all the people out there that were working from home during the pandemic and continue to work from home today. I don't know how the fuck y'all do it. I really don't. Like, you would think on paper working from home would be awesome. For me, it wasn't really because I found that when I'm working, when I'm doing my job at, at social media, I work better in the office than I do at home. Because in the office, I don't know why I can focus more. I get, I pay attention better when I'm in the office. When I'm in the house, too many fucking distractions happened, you know, and it gets, takes me off, it takes me off task and I end up spending all day working on stuff that would usually not take me as long. Like something about working from home made it harder for me to stay focused. So I, like I said, I don't know how y'all do it. Like I was, it was the only time in my life I was ever aching to go back to work. Like I was excited to go back to the office because I felt I would do much better work than when I was at home. Like it drove me insane. And it, you know, it's like it was like dealing with phone calls, dealing with trying to get everything else done, and you know, my brother, my dad, con my dad needing help with shit, my brother needing help with shit, Bonnie not leaving me the fuck alone. Like it was just, it was like insane. But by the way, for those of you who are new to the show, Bonnie's the uh, golden doodle that we have. She's a dog. Um, it was just I could not handle that. Like it drove me that shit up the fucking wall trying to work from home and then because I and I read because I read now they say you got to quarantine for five days which I did which drove Buff crazy because he always needs my help with something and it wasn't until I got the five days up that he finally told me to come by and I'm basically wearing I'm walking around his house wearing a mask because because the rule is after you quarantine for five days they require you you say that you wear a mask until you are negative now there are some places I've heard recently uh, because one of my uh, one of the clients that I have makes frequent appearances on the Ricky Smiley morning show and he talks about he does like coronavirus updates for Ricky Smiley and he said that it's no longer a requirement to have to get a negative test to go back to work usually if you do the quarantine and you take medicine and all that you'll be ready to go back to work it's only if the boss insists on it it used to be mandatory but now it's that the boss asks for it and my boss asked for it so that's why I had to stay home for two weeks and I would wear a mask if I went to see Buff and then finally got my negative test and was able to go back but it was like again it was it was not as crazy as I I thought it was but i don't know if just if it's because of my age or the fact that i i get sick so much that covid didn't really like hit me the way it hits other people and i'm not saying it's not dangerous 
I'm just saying it didn't hit me as bad. Like when I told people, yeah, I'm home. I got COVID. They were like, oh my God. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not dying. It was just the cough was a pain in the ass, but I wasn't dying. But again, I'll just say I salute anybody that works from home. And if you're thinking that working people who work from home are not stressed out, you, and I'm saying this as a friend, are fucking delusional. Because especially the ones that had to stay at home while their kids had to learn from home. I'm surprised we didn't see, I'm surprised families didn't turn on each other during this thing. I'm surprised we didn't see more psycho parents with dead kids in the backyard with how crazy that can be. So I, I well, salute I mean, you guys like, that work I mean, from like, home. What, what happened was you, you caught the COVID on the Omicron variant. And on the Omicron variant was, you know, known to be a little bit less to commit to it. I would definitely say when COVID first hit, like last year, when we both and I, you and I were in the thick of it, you know, pretty much. Um, you know, I think that variant there was a lot more devastating as opposed to what we had. So, you know, you're right. It does affect different people because this disease or yeah. this virus is, um, you know, affecting people in many different ways. And everybody's biology is different. I mean, motherfucker, you ate a car. I can't, you know. Um, <laughs> so everybody's biology is different. So it's people different ways. But but it also comes to the after effects of what happens afterwards, how people treat each other, how people like, you know, who don't believe in the, the vaccine mandate and who, who do believe in it, though, and everything else. They really put a big divide towards the world and online and people are just fucking nasty now. And, you know, if you're one of those people like who stand for the mandate, that's fine, man. You know, if you think you're doing something great, that's fine, too. But you need to get off your soapbox. I got tested. I got I got the shot twice so far. But I'm going to sit there and say to people who are unvaccinated should fucking die or get COVID and fucking die. I mean, there's like, I had to quit so many social media platforms. Well, not only just from like Facebook, whatever, but like even the ones where I watch like my gifts, like, um, you know, my gifts and my uh, funny things that I go on there for. I had to get off of it because it was so fucking negative. It's like they don't give a fuck about human life. They're like, well, you're not vaccinated, so you don't deserve to live. I'm like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> like you guys need to get off your fucking high horse you know like some people have certain beliefs it could be right or wrong and that's what america's all about that's what the world's all about you know expressing your your views and it could be completely wrong you know it doesn't mean that like it if you don't like what they're saying just to the channel watch something else or watch something you do like like some people like conspiracy theories they could, I spend hours watching videos about 9-11 and um i don't know the moon landing was a hoax or the moon is actually a secret base for the nazis i don't know there's so many different conspiracy theories if that's your bag watch it yeah. but then like but these people feel like they're just so entitled and have to tell the people like they're fucking idiots because you're not getting the mandate and they're killing people i don't think so you know everybody everybody goes through a lot of different things and whether a lot of that's probably are those numbers exaggerated in my personal opinion yes yeah. but at the same time a lot of people did get hurt for this a lot of people did die and it did, it did happen but <laughs> these people are like because you get the shot you're so much better i'm not better than anybody else you know i did it because i was selfish um i wanted to go on vacation i wanted to go somewhere else outside the states because i got pretty much go anywhere in the states here and maybe just have to wear a mask but not have to have a fucking vaccine with paperwork if you go to puerto rico you got to show your card that shows that you're vaccinated when you go somewhere eat so if you go somewhere eat to sit down in order for you to take off your mask and eat you gotta show them they get vaccinated and i get away your mask when you go inside now when you eat obviously you take it off you can't go anywhere if you want to go to a store or something like that you have to wear a mask everywhere it's it was crazy it was, it was like so backwards in puerto rico when it came to that yeah um but at the same time like they're very precautious because that's a very small island and you have people coming in cruise ships all the fucking time so that's why they're really strict on their mandates yeah um but the thing is, like, you know, whether you leave in a mandate or you don't, it doesn't matter. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're against it because there's 5G and the cell phone towers are going to destroy us or, you know, it's like some kind of form of a disease, you know, that's your opinion. You can tell your friends and they know you being that person, then you just keep being you, man. Don't don't stop waving that freak flag because uh, some people go against you. And the same people with, like, you guys out there, like, but you guys are wishing death upon people, you know, who don't do it and say they're part of the disease. It's like, no, it's not. 
It's like, you know, that's their choice. You know, I think the government's overstepping when it comes to it, but their guidelines, if you want to do stuff, then you have to kind of comply. Because if you don't, then if you just live here in Georgia, you never have to get one. I'll tell you what this right now, I could, I could, I could go back a couple of years and in, in about a year or two, I bet you anything, if you live in Georgia or in the Bible Belt for that matter, you're never going to make it a mandate. Like, yeah, you have to wear a mask, like when you go to a certain place when it first started though, but to make people be vaccinated, I don't think it's going to happen in Georgia. This is going to be like one of the last states of any that's going to happen. I think we're going to be second to last because I think... Uh... I think I think we will before Florida. I think Florida's going to be the last list. But we're we're right there with them, right? Florida's like at the very bottoms. Like fuck you, America. It's it's Florida, us, and then everybody else above us. I'm just saying we're we're second to last above. We're second to last under Florida. Florida will be the last state, if any. But you you know what protect us for those mandates? Florida man. That's right. Exactly. And uh, I and then the thing about like the people who are like passionate about taking the vaccine. And I hate to get political, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. I would love to hear if all these people who are so pro the vaccine and just want everybody to take it and you're scum if you don't, would they feel the same way if Trump got reelected and he was the president right now? Would they still back the vaccine or would they do everything in their power not to take it? Because I want to know, is it really your health you care about or is it the person in charge? Because I know that a lot of times people will go against what they believe inside just to not give Trump a win. I noticed that when he was president. So I just want to know, that's a question I would love to ask people who are hard core pro-vaccine and hate the unvaccinated would you feel the same way if trump was the president right now and biden didn't win i would love to hear that person and see if they could logically go that route that's that's that, that kind of makes me I'm wish I'm not, we I'm could not, see that yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna touch that with a 10-foot pole but i'm not like, gonna ask you to that's just the theory you, i'm putting out there the i'll tell you what though post it on facebook and see what happens see how many people like see how many friends you have before you quote that and see how many <laughs> friends you have afterwards and see what happens oh i've well here's the thing i'm not i'll, I'll i'm not I'm going to save that for when I need to do spring cleaning on my page because that's usually anytime on my personal page I shared anything Trump related it was to weed out people on my page because I was reaching the 5,000 limit and I wanted to get rid of people that either A didn't talk to me anymore or B were so fucking crazy on the left that I just couldn't fucking deal with them anymore I think as far as Facebook I think the highest I ever got was like maybe 200 and I just kind of slipped them out but you know when it comes to political cycles you know um, you know those always get thinned out every four years and that's what it is every four years you're gonna have the same divide same questions same fight same stupid things exactly. whatever no one seems to remember what happened in the past now you know trump was a polarizing person and like he's got people on his side and you have sleepy joe's uh um you know people behind him too and um you know every four years you're gonna have this debate about you know who's good who's that but he let's just face it folks they're all bad for you they don't have your interest at heart at all they don't listen to you they don't give a shit about you it's all predetermined you're not really voting <laughs> so you go out there and say get a little sticker says i voted i don't think that's uh I think they kind of predetermine everything anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the thing is, like, they don't care about you. Like, those people do not care because, like, those guys never had your life. Every one of those people came into power because they had means to get there. And I mean, my financials. I mean, you know, by becoming senators. But, you know, how do you get there? It's money, 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 money. So how can a person who makes... Okay, let's just say this. If anybody has anywhere over $150,000 a year plus more, let's say two hundred, right? How could that person even come close to, you know, living to the standards of a person making thirty? thousand a year or sixty thousand a year or a hundred thousand i'm saying like you can't really comply now a hundred thousand person probably has more in relation to the two thousand person but anybody making under a hundred thousand dollars and you have these politicians who's trying to do something that's better for all of us 
<laughs> it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. So, but there no, is there is one thing, I, and before I get into this, I, I, I'll talk a little bit more about this before we move on to the next topic. Um, that 5G tower thing that you mentioned, was that an actual conspiracy theory you saw, or were you playing off my Karen character from the Going Live show? Oh, no. God, no. Um, it's actually a conspiracy theory that, really? um, you know, again, this is all like aluminum hat talk right here. So um, supposedly the conspiracy theory going around the 5G is the 5G towers is what made everybody sick, right? Oh, my God. Okay. So that's why, like, you know, I, I guess they had the same kind of conspiracy theory back then. I guess it's kind of an actuality, too. Like, the people, like, in, like, um, in the, in the, in the, in the boondocks, pretty much, were, like, yeah, like, power lines and children are kind of deformed and stuff like that. You can't really tell. I mean, it's probably just bad genetics. And it could be that the fact that the land next to a power line is not worth that much more. Yeah. It's probably cheaper to live there. I guess the same way, like, you know, um, like, in the, at the airport, the airport, the property is really low. So it's like, it doesn't cost that much, but you have all that fucking air pollution and all that fucking smog, but it's like shitty living out there. Um, but at the same time, it's like there's conspiracy theory, like you know, the five waves are making people sick, and they blame it on they blamed it on um, this thing called COVID, and that was one of the conspiracies. And one of the other oh one with God. the five G was supposedly when you got the COVID shot. This is a good one. Um, they implanted a chip in you so that um, when you go to and from, they could always track you, and then they could make you a sleeper agent. So, and um, I guess some people take a COVID shot, they're going in and out of Walmart, and they're buzzing like ding. You know what I'm saying? Like they stole something. You know, there's a whole bunch of out there. Man, it's it's really fucking weird. Um, it's it's here's the thing about conspiracy theories, and I, I want you guys to all kind of open your eyes a little bit. I'm not saying to be woke because I mean if you're too here's the thing, conspiracy theories are fun because it makes you think about what's really going on. Now, if when you first start off, it's like, oh my goodness, did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? But once you go down a rabbit hole, it's a long tumble down. And then after a while, it just pretty much like puts you in your mind prison where you can't think for today because you're worried about what's gonna happen tomorrow. It's all hypothetical. So it's cool to see what they come up with they come up with some fucking amazing stuff sometimes where like it's it's like oh you almost got me there way to go right and some of them are like holy shit you know maybe it's the bunk maybe it's not the bunk but um conspiracy theories i just that just think about it don't just take one video or let's say you watch like two different channels about conspiracy theories and base your whole life on it because if you just watch alex jones or all these different people on there and just like live by what they're saying like don't get me wrong some of the stuff might be true but there's a lot of misinformation too so don't take take everything with a grain of salt if you want to just listen to it to see the craziness on it it's it's fucking hilarious um if, if it wakes you up and says okay let me try to see things through a different set of eyes i guess it's pretty cool but don't take it to heart space theories are just that man everybody's yeah. got one you know everybody's got the 911 one everybody's got like the, the simpsons knowing the future before anything happened yeah, i mean exactly and yeah, so there's conspiracy theories it's 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 fun it's a fun pastime but don't let it consume your life because it will eat you away so that's all i gotta say exactly and the reason i brought that up was because i never knew about that conspiracy theory because the only time i heard it was when i got the script for the she's karen sketch which i'll give a little backstory here uh last year i was on a sketch comedy show called the going live show and they did a sketch called she's karen and since i was the only white person there they asked me if i wanted to play karen i i gave it a shot and it ended up becoming a very popular character that if we get a season two we're definitely bringing her back and one of the lines in there was after i get my uh my phone back from someone who i i accuse him of stealing my cell phone even though i literally had my phone in my hand the whole conversation which is what made it funny but i was like so i my character goes sorry somebody trying to steal my phone i got it back though but like i was saying the coronavirus did not come from china i gave them these damn 5g towers all of us are like totally gonna turn into zombies 
is. I didn't even know that was a real conspiracy theory. I thought that was just something funny they wrote on a piece of paper, and I just fucking blurted it out. So that was nice to know that that, that was a real, that's actually a conspiracy theory. I didn't, I would have never guessed that in a billion years, because it sounded so ridiculous that I thought it was just something they made for comedic effect. But anyway, um, the only other, like, vaccine debate that I've really had, and I'll say this last thing before we move on to the next topic, because I'll, I'll transition out of it, um, was my dad. He's the only person I ever got into, like, a real vaccine argument with. And that was because, um, you know, my dad was dealing with a lot of health problems because two years ago he had a heart attack. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the Boochcast or not, but this is probably the first time I'll talk about it because it's been two years, almost. But um, sure. but uh, when he had the heart attack, it obviously they had to give him a flu shot and everything before they opened up his chest. And he decided to go get the vaccine. And he's been very health conscious since then. So we got into this huge argument about, like, you know, getting the vaccine and the horrifying things and everything else. I just told my dad. He said, you need to get vaccinated. I got vaccinated. I said, Dad, of course you got vaccinated. You're 61 years old. And you had a heart attack. Your immune system is shot to shit. You need to get vaccinated. I would, you, you're crazy if you don't. And I I will even say this. If you got kids, vaccinate them. Why? Because they're all got weak immune systems. If your immune system sucks, you definitely need a vaccine. Or if you want to do things like Elvis is doing, traveling to Puerto Rico, you can go to get a vaccine. In fact, last year, I contemplated getting a vaccine because I actually had a job interview last year. never talked about this where i almost got back into radio almost i had an interview to potentially work for 97.1 the river but obviously i ended up not getting the going to the next round in the interviews but one of their requirements at cox media or cumulus there's anybody out there looking to get into terrestrial radio they require you to be vaccinated to have that job now obviously i'm not vaccinated but i'm sure at some point in the interview they would ask me would you be willing to get vaccinated to get that job yes because i want to be in radio but i would tell them look in order for me to get vaccinated this is my only demand I would have to know for sure that I have the job. That means you hire me. I sign the contract. We go over the terms and everything. I sign the contract. We set up a start date and I make sure I will get vaccinated before that start date. That's the only way I'm doing it. I'm not getting a vaccine to go to the final round of a job interview. If I'm getting vaccinated, if if I'm going to get vaccinated, I damn well better have the job. Now, I didn't say that to them because the vaccine thing never came up, but that's what I would say if I was in that situation. So I understand if people want to get vaccinated or need to get vaccinated, that's fine. But I believe if you're an adult and you're, and you don't have, and you got a good immune system and you're, and you got your body under control, it should be your choice if you're an adult. But I do believe I am all for kids getting vaccinated hundred percent. I am not an anti-vaxxer in any stretch of the imagination at all. It's just this particular vaccine has a lot of people questioning. And me personally, I don't fucking like needles and I don't feel, and like I said, I got COVID. I was unvaccinated and I did not feel the need to go to the hospital at all so I don't feel like I need the shot so that's my opinion but if you want to get it be my guest no I am not stopping anyone from getting vaccinated hell my nephew just got vaccinated recently and I'm all for it because he's fucking six he is not his immune system is not that strong yet so I'm all for him getting vaccinated 100% the only reason my niece is getting vaccinated is because she's two but I guarantee in three years she gonna get it too so it's as simple as that and that's all I'm gonna say on that subject so Elvis (laughs) Unless you got anything you want to add, I'm ready to move on. Move on, move on. Keep going, keep going. (laughs) Yes, and we are moving on to the next topic here because this is something I want to talk about. No, 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 (laughs) because. 
We don't talk about Rona. You telling this story or am I? Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I love that. That was so fucking hilarious. We we're gonna probably gonna put that on Instagram or something. We gotta do that. Um, but yeah. So anyway, one other thing I want to talk about here is um, as you guys know, um, in addition to you know AEW, which we're gonna be talking about a little later on the show, another show we talk about on here is NXT. And I will admit, oh. when it comes to NXT, thank you. When it comes to NXT, oh. I have also been a little bit behind. You know, as Uh-oh. you know, I've been combining a lot of recaps together in one episode, and there's a reason for that, and that's because recently another podcast show called Rebuilding Buff with Buff Bagwell is now no longer a taped podcast. It goes live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. So at the time you're listening to this, it'll be coming on later tonight at 6 p.m. So, and back in the day with Rebuilding Buff, I used to just set up the laptop for Buff. Him and Michael would do the show, and I would either go off and do other work or watch TV, or sometimes Elvis and I knocked out a few uh, podcasts or Dark Side of the Ring videos. Like, we would, I would use that time to get other content done while Buff did his thing. Well, recently, we had what we like to call a team meeting. And it was me, Buff, and Michael Long. And we were talking about certain things that we got coming up this year and big events. And recently, Buff and Michael have decided to do live podcasts at a few comedy clubs uh, across the country. And I knew that I'm going to be at at least three of those shows I'm guaranteed to be at. One is on March 6th in Orlando. One is April 1st in Dallas, Texas. And the other is April 23rd in Daytona Beach. So since I was going to be on those shows, I asked Buff politely. I said, hey, I would like to open for you guys. Like, go on stage, do some stand-up, and then introduce them. And that was all I asked for. I just wanted to do opening, you know, because I, because I, I, even though as Buff's agent, I get paid no matter what I do. I could sit on my ass in a corner. I'm still walking away with cash in my pocket. But I miss performing. I love to perform. I'm a performer, ladies and gentlemen. It's it's who I am. I do, I'm great working behind the scenes, but the camera loves me, and I love the camera. So I like... A grower, not a grower, folks. Yeah. I like to be in front of the camera. So, <laughs> thank you for sharing. So, what I so I asked Buff, can I, you know, be the opener? Well, then Buff decided to take it one step further and not only have me open the show on stage, he wanted me to open the show on the live podcast and now I am officially part of the podcast. So, Alan Funk, if you're listening, I am now officially on the fucking podcast. Vinny hey, Bucci's now part of Rebuilding Buff. But now he was talking about you. So, there you go. It was like, for, you know, it was like foretelling itself. That's pretty nice. That's actually a funny story. Uh, somebody tagged Alan Funk in a comment on Rebuilding Buff, and they were talking about it. So I replied back as a joke. I guess he's probably going to kill me now that I'm on the fucking podcast. Five minutes later, I get a friend request from Alan Funk. Aw, that's awesome. So we're now friends on Facebook. <laughs> he hasn't DM'd me yet, but we're friends on Facebook now. Because I was trying Aww. to be funny because at the time, I wasn't on the show. Now I'm officially part of the show. They're now calling it like Vinny's chair so i get a chance to chime in and talk about a few things but you know it's one of those things where you, i kind of pick my spot to where i can like give an opinion because mostly it's Actually, buff and michael's show it'll be really cool it'll be really cool for the show it'll be called vinny's chair so you could pop in and do something from time to time but whenever they have a guest it's like oh we have a chair for you but you know what you can use vinny's chair vinny's chair everybody <laughs> or even better like when no one's there it's like oh vinny's not here 
but we have Vinny's chair. Vinny's chair, how you doing today? Crickets, <laughs> crickets. All right, good. That's, that's the best. I think that's the best audio we got, we got at Vinny so far. Fantastic. Give a round of applause for Vinny's chair. <laughs> Woo! Or if, like, or if Buffer Michael could do a Clint Eastwood impression, I'm not there. Just have the empty chair and do the Clint Eastwood voice. Yeah. <laughs> like when he talked to the empty stool. I get it. That's great. I, remember I when Vicky Guerrero parodied that? Yeah. That was probably one of her best promos ever was that. I think I think she did some of her best work that day, but but yeah. So every Tuesday at six p.m., uh, we do uh, rebuilding buff. So uh, my goal is to hopefully watch NXT after the podcast, depending on how long the podcast goes, and try to get the episodes out. Worst case scenario, they might come out a day or two later. But my goal is to get the NXT recaps done as fast as possible. So I'm saying, if I should happen to fall behind, rebuilding buff is the reason. And I got you know I got well you know though I think you should quit slacking man i think you're just slacking a lot i mean oh really 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 i'm slacking i don't think i don't i don't think you make time for your fans oh really you know i don't think you're i don't think you're worthy of the name booch in the booch cast um you know it's not it it rolls off the tongue when you say dolinsky cast it's almost like it's that's all you think about when you think of the booch cast it's like dolinsky cast has a better ring to it oh patent pending um that ain't the podcast pot calling the kettle black i don't know what the fuck is and uh you know i have a logo coming out soon my oh. my imaginary lawyers who are going to serve you papers for you to sign over to boochcast over to me for many monies um obviously you have to buy me a blimp as i buy your as you just hand me your show and uh yeah <laughs> that's my plan for, that's my five-year plan uh, uh, what the fuck do you need a blimp for i'd like to know Oh, just like go across the city and just like you know look down on it and think of everybody as peasants. You know, as a rich person who has a who owns a blimp, I'd probably go to Michigan and pick up Danhausen and uh, we'd go travel the world together. Yes, it's a blimphausen. A blimphausen, yes, it is. And get all the monies from A and W. Yes, the ass boys are plying the blimp. The ass boys. Let's go back to the ass ranch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ranch. Dude, Billy Gunn, Billy Gunn, Billy Gunn, fucking corpse in that one. He was he, like, he was fucking dying on that video. Oh, it's God. like you go, you fucking ruin our life, Dan House. He's like, no cursing. And then all of a sudden, like he was like, all right, s boys, let's get out of here, back to the ass ranch. And Billy Gunn was just fucking dying. He loves like I know like a lot of people like Jeff Jarrett and Jim Cornette love Dan Housen. But like Billy Gunn, like every time you can see him smile from ear to ear every time Dan Housen's there and just like cut something on them, he's like, dude, I, I fucking love this kid. <laughs> Even FTR thinks he's awesome as old school. Oh, I know. Are. No, I love it. No, it was definitely um it was fucking awesome, man. I loved it. Um I if, if to run with one person in the world, I know it sounds weird, but come on, Dan Housen, let's make it happen. Fuck it. Yeah. Dan yeah, and I met him in person, solid guy, really nice. He's a really nice guy. He's he's one of those guys that like he appreciates his fans because he knows they're a big part of why he's over. No, of course, and, he, and like this whole thing, whatever he gets himself over because eventually, like that, he just finally came on AEW and like he's slowly gravitating towards the people who've never seen him before. But the people who know, no, like I was on his radar quite before, and I don't want to keep bragging about it, but like he was my favorite person. Like I swear, I, I swear to you guys, watch a Dan Housen video a day, it'll make you feel better. I don't know what it is about it. It's like listening to your favorite album, you know, like back in the day, like you, you put on your whatever music you liked and you just press like song number one, you press play and you know just let it go from like the first song to the last song. It's like. That. But Dan House like that, and it's you know, in, in small deals like that. A Dan House in a day makes the grumpies go away. Oh, yeah. So nice, so evil. Yes, tequila, tequila. 
I still can't believe he did that. I, 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 if he ever wrestles in AEW, I hope he does that. But at some point, we need to be able to hear. Because I, I, I think that was the one problem was I couldn't hear what he was doing. And I told him this to his face. At first, I thought this was stupid. Because all I hear is, because you can't hear it very well. It's like all muffled. And all of a sudden, he goes, tequila, and then kicks the dude in the face. I fell over laughing. I was like, I told him, I said, once I heard tequila, that's when I hit the floor laughing. Because I finally understood what the fuck was happening but they, i hope i'm assuming aew hopefully has better mics but oh i know they do it and I, here's the thing they could probably even buy the rights of tequila because they're known to buy one old songs and you know like they oh, did yeah. like the pixies uh where's my mind for orange cassidy they have ruby soho for ruby soho the cult of personality for cm punk wild thing for moxley so i don't think it's gonna be too hard to pick what up tequila it? by whoever does it i don't oh, know I maybe know. it's to talk to Pee Wee herman i don't know <laughs> I, I, yeah, Pee Wee Herman pretty much has the the, the, the copyright on that. Like, yeah. Here you go, Danhausen. Oh, yeah, it's very nice. Very evil. <laughs> like, could you imagine a matchup between those two meeting up together? That'd be epic. Oh, that'd be great. A small little special like Pee Wee Herman, Danhausen episode. Oh, my God, it'd be perfect. <laughs> you are cursed, Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> oh, that'd be, that would be hilarious. Like, if they did, like, a Pee Wee's Playhouse kind of thing, and then all of a sudden, uh, fucking Danhausen shows up. Like, let's say, let's say, go. Let's say hello to our neighbor. Who is this? Dan Housen here. <laughs> Pee Wee, I must obtain your blimp. I don't have a blimp. What about Globy? <laughs> I don't know. Just whatever. <laughs> it's like e it's like today's secret word is evil. What, how do you feel, Dan Housen? So nice. So evil. Ah! Dun, 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 dun. Uh, earlier, um, I, so yeah, so make sure you guys check out uh, Rebuilding Buff Tuesdays at 6 p.m. I'll be on the show alongside uh, Buff Bagwell, Michael Long, and obviously go to VinnyTheBoots.com if you want to see the dates of the shows I'm going to be at alongside Buff and Michael. And of course, you can check out the other dates that they'll be at that I won't be a part of. But if you're looking look out for special guests, I mean, you never know when a special guest might pop into the house, you know? Exactly. Uh, you know, Buff is kind of a, a household name, and he knows, I mean, he's got a couple friends in the wrestling business you know he, he's known to name drop and have people actually stop by the studio um so look out for him having some potential guests some you know yeah. some you may have seen from the past and some you might see in the future so um keep your eyes peeled literally peel your eyes behind your head and keep watching like subscribe and watch rebuilding buff Exactly. Now, uh, earlier, Elvis was talking about, um, you know, having a love-hate relationship with social media. Um, I'm not going to lie. I've had a bit of love-hate relationship with social media myself. Um, mostly because, like, especially during COVID, like, I just got, ever since, like, I got COVID, like, I, when I was home, like, working from home, and then I was dealing with other stuff, I don't, I just felt like, like, my work, I, I got, I was starting to get really stressed out. Like, I was getting hit with so much work at one time. Like, and I'm not trying to, I don't want this to people to think like, oh, Vinny's bitching about his job. No, let me be clear. I love my job. Love it. And I'm not just saying that. I genuinely love my job. It's just lately the stress was going crazy. Like I had to create a whole new content marketing strategy only for yeah. it to get completely changed today. Um, I've yeah. been just, it was literally like between, between trying to get HVMA done and the drama that Buff and I were dealing with, with like PayPal and shit. Like, because we had this guy who accused us of not giving him a top hat, even though the tracking number showed that it showed up right at his doorstep. Yeah. But because he filed it with his bank and not with PayPal, the bank decided, oh, he's right, even though we provided them clear-cut evidence this motherfucker's full of shit, so... Be careful with PayPal, ladies and gentlemen. It can be good. It can be it can be evil. Be careful with that. So it was literally just like all this work piling on top of me. And I'm not gonna lie, I had quit smoking for a month. I'm back on the cigarettes, oh, ladies and gentlemen. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't walk away. That's how bad the stress got. 
And uh, I know yeah, I was going to be dealing like, with some work stress like, too. Huh? I know like when, you know, um, when I used to come to your place, whatever, or you come to my place, whatever, you're always coughing and hocking up loogies, whatever. And every time I see you, what, what do I make you do every time I see you coughing? What do I make you do? Um, you, do you remember? Yes. You make me drink that horrible, horrible, evil liquid that should not be given to any human person. So I went to Vinny's house. And, you know, like, uh, this is not a, I, I think this is a household item because, like, every place I've been to has it. I have it at my house. Vinny has it at his house and we went to desmond's house and he had it at his house too what is the miracle girl what is the miracle thing that makes phlegm go away if you feel like shit it's gonna taste disgusting but it's making you feel like a million bucks afterwards except for vinnie bucci because he was coughing for three days after that apple cider vinegar yes folks apple cider vinegar the very power of mother's brag that's right it will clean all the impurities out of your mouth typically what i like to do i like to take a shot glass you know like i'm doing jack or something you know or tequila tequila um but i like to sit there and put the apple cider vinegar inside I uh, chug the thing down, and you feel that shit like coating the inside of your insides, right? Like all the phlegm that's built up on it. And what's apple cider vinegar's main purpose in life is to kill germs, and it's done correctly, and it's known to like have people lose weight as well too. So I made Mr. Vinny Bucci had to take a shot. I was like, hey, you know what? I'm not gonna be a pussy. You take one, I'll take one too. And like the face he does when he drinks this stuff, it's almost like you give him a carrot. Like he gets so mad. It's the funniest <laughs> thing in the world. I'm like, what the fuck? Dude, it's not a carrot. He's like, ah, this is worse than a carrot. I'm like, okay, buddy, take it easy. But uh, I'm trying to sit there and promote good health for this guy, for my fearless leader. And he wants to sit there and just like, I can't do it. It tastes like shit. Give me my Pepsi now. Well, yeah, I gotta get that taste out of my mouth. Or it's gonna fuck with me all day. Oh my god, my, 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 my whole my chest was on fucking fire. Yeah, because it's it's eating away all that fucking like the couches and the fucking engine and the fucking fender you ate in that fucking Fiesta. So yeah, it's doing its job. <laughs> You're not letting it do it. It's a festiva. Everybody keeps it saying fiesta. What the fuck? I mean, you just had a fiesta of a fiesta of a festiva, and uh, that shit's eating away at you. So, of course, my apple cider vinegar was trying to do his job. It's like, okay, let's fight these bastards. And he's like, no, 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 no. You let the car attack me. You don't attack anything inside this car or my body. My body, my choice. Fuck the apple cider vinegar. I mean, he takes it, but he spits for like half an hour. He's like, oh, something healthy. No. Dun, 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 dun. That is, e- I, I still maintain that's, that that shit is evil. That shit, it's evil you, because it's good for you. Humans should not be drinking that. Yeah, you should. You should drink it every morning. Take a shot in the morning. Take a shot at night for a week straight. And what you do is like you take a drink and let that shit dissipate into your stomach, right? Dissipate into your body. You feel it go down. And then give it about a minute, a minute and a half. And drink some water. It's done its job already. It's went down your esophagus. It went down all your linings and tubings and everything else. For people with high cholesterol, it's definitely good for for you know improving the airways and the blood flow into your system whatever it works I mean, it's holistic, but it's it's a simple treat from na- Mother Nature herself to help us with our daily goings on. Exactly. But but you know, Vinny just doesn't like any healthy. He just wants to die. Which, <laughs> by the way, I I did prepare a eulogy for your death and your eventual death. That's gonna happen. You prepared a eulogy. I did. I did because uh, you will be dead. And then you know, there's a couple things that I will be getting from you because of your death. Obviously, because I'll be writing the will as well too. I'll be writing your eulogy and your will since you don't have a living will as of right now right no 
Again, okay, I, it's quite simple then. So I think it's kind of simple the way this the narrative of this conversation is going, first and foremost. Um, I, Vinny Bucci, great creator of the Boochcast, who's been carrying on this legacy from being on 100.9. Vinny Bucci, the spicy meatball pizza baby, Vinny Bucci, would like to address mother and father. I can give all rights of the Boochcasts unless served by imaginary lawyers. In my untimely death, I will be bequeath the show to Mr. Elvis Dolinsky, where he will no longer carry it as the Boochcast. It will be called Dolinsky Cats, where it will be shared on platforms by nobody and to nobody but himself. Yes, he will ruin the show. He will drag it into the depths of hell. Number two, I besmirch and do bequeath my CM Punk chair. I saw after Matt a thing that he wanted for a long time but uh i just feel my dear heart that he's been a true friend for many many years he held our podcast to such a high regard and i just feel like in my untimely death i will give my CM Punk chair to mr elvis dolinsky and last but not least he can go and rummage through my room clear my browsing history as a true friend and keep whatever he wants and as long as he has his papers signed and notified by a notary which is elvis dolinsky still um to give him all his worldly possessions to and only elvis dolinsky my worldly possessions your worldly possessions but not your debt okay so <laughs> not my debt okay well wait a minute what elvis, why would you what are you gonna do with my worldly possessions why do you want them so badly me yeah i get why you well, want the podcast i get why you want the chair why would you mm-hmm. want anything else that i have well, you know, it's a tough economy out there. You know, your car will probably go for a pretty penny. Your computer's like way better than mine. So I'll probably take that just for my own purposes of like, you know, you know, graphic design and making videos. Your microphone will probably keep that to keep the Boochcast spirit alive. But I'll probably wrap up where it says Boochcast and just like slap on a Delinsky on there. So it says Delinsky cast and tape. Um, you know, do you have some Game Informer magazines or you have like Nintendo, Nintendo Power or like magazines, right? If or something? I do, they're buried in the closet somewhere or Sonny has them because he read those so, magazines I'll, more than I did. I have my, I'll, the, I'll, my I'll, magazines are WWE. I have WWE and Raw magazines. Oh, um, no, nah, that's cool. Um, <laughs> wow! Wow! I'll, I'll give it to Zach. You would get what? I'll give it to Zach, Why? and I'll give him because in the notice says you want to give all your raw magazines to Zachariah Scott, the, the, my closest confidant, my what? best friend in the world, and uh, and your only possessions of all the ramen noodles in your cupboard. You know, I, I, I am not true. giving. I would not leave. Why would I leave Zach my magazines? He had nowhere to put them. First of all, on his wall, duh. You don't hang a magazine on your wall. The one page you like, you do. Yeah, the poster. Yeah, there's usually a poster in the middle. Those posters are like packed away somewhere like if i was gonna leave him anything i would probably leave him all the diva posters that i have what i have posted like some of the female wrestlers that were in bikinis i had oh, the, okay. when i was when i was in high school i actually did this here, here's a, this is, i literally did this one time uh when i what i w- used to do is i used to tape them to the ceiling so when i lay okay. down in my bed i could look up and see them <clears throat> wow that was tmi now the whole world knows you jerk off with a poster on top of your bed thank you Vinny. thank no, you so no, much no for no, no. Uh, not on top of my bed on the ceiling so i can lay on I the bed know. and look up i get it Vinny. i get it uh, well, saying. last but not least, P.S. Postmortem, Elvis will be getting that WWE necklace that I wear to every comedy club I ever go to in my pre-suits. And please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, bury me in my church suits. You know what it is. Signed, 
Vinny, spicy meatball, Lucharelli. And if you and if you bury me in that blue collar shirt, I'll stab you. I will come back uh, as a ghost and kill you if I'm in that blue collar Bible fucking shirt. No, I won't get you that one. I'll probably get you like one of those cool like yeah. what's that the Miz the Miz guy whatever. No, I'll get, I'll get no, you the shirt fuck you, fuck you. No, absolutely not. Say, absolutely awesome. not. Absolutely not. It's in your will. You don't have one. I get to write no, it. No, no. I, if I change anything in that will, it will be that. That's where I draw the line. You're going to bury me? Bury me in my badass black suit. That's the suit I want to be in. I want to go out looking like the booch. That's what I want to do. And, and, and PPPS, last but not least, I know it's a weird request, but I would like a penis drawn on my face before when I die. What? And get buried down. Wow. You are so going to hell for that one. <laughs> it's like everybody's crying, like, oh my God, Vinny, I can't believe it. But every time you look at him, like, he's got a fucking dick right in his mouth. <laughs> a big veiny one, too. Okay. So I got really creative with it with the fucking watercolors, you know? All right. Okay. <clears throat> you can come in the funeral, but you ain't coming to the wake. <laughs> well, who do you think is hosting it? This guy. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> All right, guys, and let's, you know, that was uh, a sad moment, but well, like, you know, Vinny, uh, well, Vinny, Vinny, would you like us to move on? Well, yes, and, uh, and uh, well, I got something we'll talk about here. Uh, Elvis, uh, you, uh, since you're the one on the show with the uh, significant other, y'all, what'd y'all do for Valentine's Day? Well, um, well, we went to Puerto Rico first and foremost. We came out a couple of days prior to that. Um, we just, uh, you know, it's maybe not traditional the way we do things as opposed to everybody else, because we used to do it like the way everybody else did, like, you know, get flowers and chocolate and cards and all that stuff, whatever. Here's the thing. Once you've been with somebody for a while, um, instead of wasting money on things that they may like, but they may not like, and I know most men are supposed to know what they want, but like, you know, what their women want. But, you know, let's face it. After a couple of years, it's like you think you got everything. You got that purse. You got that perfect gift, whatever. Eventually, it's going to run out because you have Christmas. You get the birthday. You got Valentine's Day. So you have all these different things. So you have to be creative over years and years and years. So me and my wife decided like, hey, let's just get something we both want. I'll send you a link to what I want. I'll send you a link you send me a link of what you want and um we'll go from there so last night we had dinner last night now we got flowers obviously i got flowers for her and the traditional stuff whatever so she wanted something i got it i want something i'll be getting it in march i think you know what that is you getting tickets to the revolution nope i did not okay because i was thinking like i don't know what other big things going on in march besides revolution and my birthday no it's it's, it's really simple i got that uh I'm, I'm she's gonna get me that new 2k 22 oh right fuck forgot about that so instead of, instead of me paying for it i'm like what's something i really I, don't, I mean, I pretty much have everything I want. I don't want to sound like that guy, but I pretty much have everything I pretty much need. Everything I get, I just buy yeah. for myself. So um, I mean, I'm very practical person. So I got everything I need. But I was like, what's coming out within the next couple of weeks that I want, that I really want? And uh, I guess we could talk about this segment next. I'm going to get the new WWE 2K22. I know the last one, 20, uh, 20 was fucking garbage. It was oh hot garbage. I shouldn't waste money on this one. And I won't take a chance. But, I, you know, I like WWE. I like wrestling games. I can't wait for AW to come out. But until that, that one's comes gonna be, out. I look forward to that one. Um, so by the time that comes out, whatever. But uh, me and Vinny are actually doing a uh, GM mode. So oh. GM mode is confirmed for 2K22. Yes. Uh, the graphics look amazing. I actually saw actual gameplay. It's really fucking sweet the way it's looking. Um, with the way the characters look, with the way it handles. Um, so me and Vinny are actually going to do a... Can I drop it on, on the air right now? Is that cool? Uh, well, you, you pretty much are, man. Like, I guess let's do it. All right, cool. So me and Vinny are going to do uh, GM mode. So obviously you can have your regular superstars. And the way GM mode works, it can either be like Vinny Bucci running raw 
and I'll be running SmackDown or vice versa, right? I could be running Raw, he could be doing uh, SmackDown. I think the way I want to do it, though, if I was to be realistic, I'd like to run Raw. I'd like okay. Vinny to run SmackDown only because the thing is, like, I want you to keep the current right now, the this um, SmackDown roster the way it is. I mean, we can even pick and choose the best characters because this is the thing. Vinny's going to do a GMO to where he's using nothing but WWE wrestlers. And he's going to pick, like, whoever he wants to be the booker. For myself, now I'm not confirming you could be your own general manager or you have to pick between Stephanie or Shane or, or whoever else, like um, Adam Pierce or Sonya Deville. Now, if there's a chance that you could have your own creative player be a GM, I'd like to run Raw under the Tony Khan brand and do Monday night versus Friday night and just do Tony Khan's AEW versus um, WWE SmackDown. Yeah. And so I'll do, Dyna I'll do Dynamite and then like, he'll do a SmackDown. Now, that's what we have an idea now. Is it something we could do? I don't know, but um, I know you could download creative wrestlers on there. Um, so you know how, I'm not sure, I mean, Vinny, you're well equipped with this. You know how well they do those wrestlers. I mean, when it comes to their grapples, when it comes to their taunts, when it comes to their finishers, they're really spectacular, especially with the entrances too, you know? Um, I heard that you could do like... Um, stables on this one too like real stables this time where it actually becomes part of storyline so coming to you soon enough on twitch so me and Vinny are gonna be doing gm mode yes for 2k22 um i will be representing my brand um aw as a whole so it's gonna bring dark it's gonna bring rampage it's gonna bring everybody i'll have hook cm punk john moxley i'll have the forbidden door i'll have kenny omega the young bucks um you know death triangle um so we're gonna have them all yeah so it's gonna be really good it's gonna be fun and so i was I was thinking about doing something with 2k22 because elvis and i talked about have talked about doing something on twitch for a while we tried a bizarro world thing we never quite got that off the ground but i was just thinking about like now that we're really embracing twitch like with the watch parties and the DD show coming soon later this year um and i gotta talk a little bit about that in a minute because there's a bombshell i need to drop in a minute but okay. um there's a uh, one but i was thinking about doing something gaming related i know elvis is out of all of us he I mean, we all play video games, but Elvis plays more often than the rest of us because we're all, you know, just our schedules are hectic and Elvis, you know, somehow finds the time to play video games while the rest of us just don't. But I'm going to make time for 2K22. Um, so I wanted to, so I had Elvis was going to be in charge of the gaming. But then when I saw 2K22 was coming out, the thought popped in my head, wait a minute, let's do something big with this. So I pitched to Elvis, you want to bring back the Bizarro World or something else? And he said, why don't we do GM mode? And part of the reason Elvis came up with this idea was because... And you're going to find this out when we talk about AEW a little later. Is we're very big on, at least I am, on booking wrestling. I see so much horrible, lazy booking. Whether it's in the main roster, occasionally on NXT, a lot in AEW. Um, and I'm always saying, you know, like, how horrible it is. I'm always, and I give booking ideas. Plus, when Gator needs help with something on the indies, I've pitched him ideas that have worked. And he, tell, he calls me later and goes, dude, that was fucking brilliant. It worked amazingly. So, Elvis is, was kind of saying, all right, Vinny, well, you think you can book better than TK? Let's see it happen. So I was like, all right, let's do it. So we're going to have some, it's going to be fun. It's like a friendly competition, but it's kind of a point to see if, um, you know, if, De if Elvis can book wrestling, if I can book wrestling and see if we can get uh, some ratings going. So this is going to be a fun show. Because I think they do it on ratings. They do it on merch uh, merchandise, how many star matches you have, whatever. So, and obviously continu uh, continual storylines, you know, um, <clears throat> And uh, I'm just going to follow the AW formula, pretty much, you know, banger match at first and promo and... 
you know, backstage segment and everything else. I'm just going to do what they do, man. I'm going I'm to I'm follow that to a T and see how it works. And I could probably do little modifications here and there in the meantime. Uh, do some long-term storytelling. And, um, you know, I just wanted, I just want Vinny to put his mouth, uh, his money where his mouth is. Because he was talking about, like, oh, this lazy book and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know what, motherfucker? You, you book a show. But you know what? Now we can. And uh, it'll be Vinny Bucci versus Elvis Delinsky, AEW versus WWE. Finally. And yes. eventually we should do it like where you go ahead to head. That'd be pretty awesome. Oh yeah, and uh, of course, um, I got a va- uh, uh, you know Valentine's Day. I, I I did pretty cool over that weekend. I actually for the first time in a year, I actually did stand up this past weekend. Um, I got booked to perform at a Valentine's Day couples show in Hampton, and I'm basically at a house party with a bunch of couples who were fucking very nice, very awesome, and um, they had me. Um, so I'm basically sitting in a garage telling jokes, and I got there a little bit early to set everything up. I didn't realize how early. I was and um, so I'm hanging out with some of the family members and everybody's saying hi and I met and this little kid was fucking hilarious like had me cracking up all night even before I got on stage I even let him come on and do a couple jokes because he was he was making me laugh so hard like this is a kid that was like like this kid's like bare, like can't even read he's like three or four years old and if kids say the darndest things was still a show this kid would be on it and he would go viral like he was talking like a regular like like teenager or some shit like like he was saying things like you know he's like i want to he goes he goes, he goes can i tell some jokes before i go up there before you go up there i'm like yeah sure he goes he he, he I, said, I said he said how many jokes can i tell i said well you can only do a couple because i'm gonna be performing the whole night he goes why are you performing the whole night i said well they hired me you know and i'm getting paid to do the comedy so i'm obligated to perform for at least an hour and he goes i want to get paid and i was like you do he goes yeah i'm broke I said, well, me too. That's why I'm doing stand up in a garage. And I got to laugh. And then, uh, and then one time, um, we were, he, I was going to the bathroom. For some reason, he was following me to the bathroom. He quickly opened the door, and there's a girl in the bathroom. And the girl turns, freaks out, looks at us. And I point at the kid and go, he did it. And she's looking at and, he, and, he, and he's like, man, you snitched. I'm like, no shit. I don't want to die. Right. I'm saying a little kid opens the door on a, on a grown woman. That's comedy. Grown man opens the door on a grown woman. He dies. I'm like, fuck that. But the kid had me like cracking up. He was doing, cra- he was, he, he was doing fine. Then after I did some, after I told some jokes, everybody up else wanted to come on and tell jokes. So I went from being the headliner to the MC. <laughs> like now the old lady, this old lady wanted to come on and tell jokes, and she was a beast. I'm glad I didn't have to follow her. I couldn't follow her. Like she was fucking amazing. Which normally something like this would kill my ego. But then I thought about it for a second. I went, Vinny. If they, as long as they're having fun and you get paid your 300 bucks at the end of the night, who cares? Let them do what they want. So I let them tell whatever jokes they wanted. One guy came up and um, this one guy told a joke and I got to repeat this because it was funny as hell. He said, he said, this guy, there's a guy who runs an alligator pit. And I hope I'm telling this correctly. And he was holding a contest that said he would give th- one of three prizes to anybody that jumped in the alligator pit and swam to the other side. He said, you can either get a million dollars, a million dollars and a house or his daughter's hand in marriage. And he's explaining all of this. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, this guy falls. All of a sudden, this guy, they hear a splash. This guy gets in the water, swims like a motherfucker all the way to the other side and manages to make it out the pit alive. And the guy's amazed. And he looks at him and he goes, um... Because he didn't expect anybody to do it. So he's kind of like, fuck, now I got to do this. So he goes, all right, man, tell me what prize you want. You want a million dollars? The guy says, nope. He goes, okay, do you want a million dollars in a house? And he says, nope. And the guy's like, fuck, he's going to want my daughter. God damn it. I can't go through this. I don't want to do this. He's like, 
all right, do you want my daughter's hand in marriage? And the guy says, nope. And the guy's like, what? Well, then, well, if you didn't want any of these prizes, what the hell do you want then? He goes, I want the name of that motherfucker that pushed me in. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> oh, did you die? No, no, I'm saying he said, I want the name of the motherfucker that pushed me in. <laughs> what the shit? That's what he was saying. Like, the joke is that he didn't jump in the water. Someone pushed him in the water. That's why he swam like a motherfucker, because he got thrown in the water. That's how you learn, though. Exactly. He's like, I want the name of the motherfucker that pushed me in. <laughs> Fucking great. I mean, that's how that might have taught me to, to swim. Yeah. You know, he th- like we were on a boat, like in a, in a little lake, whatever, and just threw me in. I'm like, what the fuck? And I was like going down and, and my reflex just kicking. I'm like, hey, you don't want to die, right? Keep moving your fucking legs, dummy. <laughs> Yeah. And then, I'm like, uh, thanks, Dad, for thanks for traumatizing me. You're awesome. Yeah. And then, of course, after that, we were drinking, partying, having a good time. And I was okay to drive, but they begged me to stay the night. And it was one of those things where you ever been in a situation where someone's being, like, really, really nice to you and, like, overly generous. And you don't want to be rude, so you're kind of going with the flow. And, like, even though, like, like I want to go home. I want to go home. And they're like, no, 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 please stay. We're going to be doing a bunch of fun things. And I didn't want to be rude, so I stuck around. But there's a part of me that's like, yeah, I- I'm having fun, but I also need to get home. And I was like, it, I, I don't know, it's weird. Like, I had a great time, and they were overly generous, and they were wonderful people, but it's like, I, I'm one of those people that I've never mastered the art of successfully segueing out of a house. Like, when people are like, come on, stick around, spend the night, so I did. I wake up in the morning, I'm getting ready, like, no, come on, man, watch some TV with us, or hey, come get some breakfast, and I'm like, I'm gonna feel like, it's one of those things where now I'm gonna feel like a dick if I leave, so I'm staying there, I'm staying there, I'm staying there. Eventually, I was able to find a way to get out, but I just, it's weird. Like, you ever been in that situation where someone's being like, yeah. oh, I have, I have a, I have a, I get out of jail card for that every time. What? I have a get out of jail for that. I got a get out of jail card for that situation, that very situation. How do you do it? Well, you got to say these magic words, and I want you to really clear your mind and etch these words into your mind. Okay. I gotta go return some videos back to the store. <laughs> <laughs> It works every time. Don't be befuddled because there's no such thing as a video store anymore. That's At the same time, you think they. <laughs> I gotta return like, some fuck? videotapes. I gotta return some videotapes. Sorry. Oh. What do you mean? It's like I, I can't explain. I gotta bring it back. <laughs> They're due back tonight. I'm not gonna pay the extra charge. And they'll be like, and then like in their mind is like, where's the video store at? But the thing is, you're such in a hurry to drop those videos off. Like they're like, what the fuck? That's a conversation I'll have next time. So they come up to you. It's like, hey, where's the video store? It's like, oh, there's an Ingles down the street from my house. <laughs> okay. There's an Ingles and it has a video store in there. Actually, yeah, there's one in Cumming, Georgia. Obviously, Cumming, Georgia has one. Um, off exit 13, there's an Ingles out there, and you actually have a little video store. You could get like DVDs or some shit, and like you rent them out, like an old, you know blockbuster and um yeah blockbuster <laughs> yeah there's actually a documentary on netflix that there's like one blockbuster still left standing yeah my cousin lives in that town in um bend oregon yeah uh yeah so and, pe- and people still go there which is fascinating i think it's cool i mean like i missed that pastime of going to like having that you know like oh my god we're going to blockbuster like to me i guess to like like to me it was a big deal you know like yeah, going out there and being left in the wild and trying to see what kind of movies are out there and, like you know picking up the box looking behind it trying to see something cool like oh look at that cool thing whatever right i mean it was like a whole experience the whole thing of like driving up there being let in a while you're looking at video games looking at the back of the box to see how cool it was you know if it was worth oh, your time God, yeah um and then like you know just looking at stuff whatever then looking at the videos like the, especially you had the new releases and it's like oh that movie just came from the theater like six months ago like oh that's cool it's finally out and of course they only had two copies and it's always fucking gone um so you wouldn't see it for like another six more months <laughs> right yeah 
um then um yeah i think the whole movie experience was really awesome and i think a lot of people miss that you know they miss the, the ambiance and not only that though like you know in my later years you know when i used to go to a video store i picked up a lot of a lot of cool women like we'd sit there and like i'll be sitting there looking at a movie and some girl gave me the eye give her the eye too we sit there and chit chat and talk whatever and before that listen chill that was blockbuster and fuck so <laughs> yes oh my god that was great i should go to that should be the shirt yeah blockbuster and fuck <laughs> Yeah. If we could legally make that, I think we should. I, that'd be great. I think Blockbuster would be great for the publicity. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they would sue us. I mean, they could try, but I mean, I'm just trying to give notoriety to the greatest company in the world, Blockbuster Video. Oh, wow. What a difference. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> and it really was a great experience to go there because I remember like, because it was cool because we could only rent like one or two movies at a time. I mean, like, my, yeah, I my think mom like was very strict on that. Yeah. So you mm-hmm. had to choose wisely. Oh, yeah. And God forbid you got the wrong movie or the bad movie. Like, so, so that was the shun of the Blockbuster thing, too. Like, you go to Suncoast Video or yeah. like you go to Hollywood Video or go to Blockbuster. But God forbid you pick the movie for the family to watch or, you know, or with your friends. You pick a movie that fucking sucked. You would be, like, the last person to ever pick a movie forever, pretty much. You're, oh. you're just, like, the guy in the back, like, yeah, it's just, like, a really good movie. Shut up, Elvis. Your choice of movies suck. That happened to my mother. Oh, really? She picked a movie, and it was so fucking terrible. She was permanently banned from choosing any more movies ever again for Blah, Blah, Blah. And it was like me, my dad, my brother, we all like signed off on it. Like, like I said it, Sonny approved and dad approved. Now I'll say the name of the movie and you tell me if you've seen it. So you know what I'm talking about. It was my mom's turn to rent for this, for this, for this uh, weekend. And she chose the movie Tiptoes. You know, I can't say I have seen it. This is basically the movie. The movie stars Matthew McConaughey. And basically what the movie is about is Matthew McConaughey is born into a family of midgets. Where he is the only full-grown person in the family. Like, somehow, he got normal. And he kind of eventually, like... Is this, this like, his first movie he came out with? Or one of the first ones he came out with? I don't remember. I know it came out in 2002. Okay. I can pull pull it up. Let's see how far back uh, Matthew McConaughey goes. Let's see. No, no. The first movie he... Actually, no. His first movie was Dazed and Confused. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. That was his first movie ever and he did a few others after that you know obviously but that was his first one but 2002 he did the movie tiptoes and basically it's about he's born into a family of midgets and he falls in love with a woman and basically at some point she gets pregnant and they're about to have a kid and because she's now pregnant with his child he's now forced to tell her that he's the only average sized person in a family of dwarves because there's a chance that this child could be a midget because of his birthright and the thought of it scares him so it goes through the fact that he is basically you know like like he's one of those, he's like gen, he has a genuine fear of his son being a dwarf and it talks about his own like intolerance to his family and stuff like 
and just it's not that he necessarily hates his family but he's ashamed of them and of course he has a twin brother that i think is played by peter dinklage okay so and it tells the whole story and it's you know one of those you know has kate beckinsale in it and gary oldman but we watched the movie and it's awful like not even the fact that because of the intolerance thing it's not this isn't a libtard snowflake thing it's just a horrible fucking movie like it was one of those things where the actors were good but it was a bad decision it was just the writing was bad the directing was bad it was god awful even my mother hated it and to this day we still give her shit over it anytime she wants to pick a movie we all go nope and she goes what i can pick movies we remember tiptoes and don't go tiptoeing about you know trying to find a movie ma i'm sorry we we remember that horrific thing but but it's the truth thing you had to be on top of your game you had to sit there and make sure the commercials are right and it's like okay this is really gonna groove with everybody i mean you know everybody pretty much watched the same thing and everybody had their own little genres too but you really had to be like spot on with your movies otherwise like if you had bad taste in movies whatever it's like nope we can never trust you to do another movie ever again and um a lot of people felt that right i watched a lot of cool stuff so i mean i was i was big you know i was big into movies you know sci-fi was my jam too so i I watched i watched a little bit of everything so i could pretty much hang out with anybody but one thing i couldn't stand growing up no i can't say because i just watched it so i guess i used to watch everything i used to watch like musicals i used to watch westerns uh space exploration sci-fi i'll tell you what i didn't really grow up with horror movies um you know i was kind of a frightened child when it came to that stuff i didn't really get into it until like my teens like 13 14 whatever but before that i never watched horror movies i didn't really care for them i watched a few of them mostly the the two main ones i watched were jason and freddy i never really watched michael myers until like halloween till like actually two years ago um i never really watched texas chainsaw massacre i saw the 2005 one with jessica beale but i never saw the original like first one ever like from like the 70s i think it was when it came out but um i never saw any of those i I saw like the 2005 remake my brother and i actually snuck in to the theater to watch it because back then back then you had to be like you know 18 or older and they were very strict on that but we knew this one particular theater where we could easily sneak in to a theater we we, we found ways to make it work Uh, i'll I'll even tell a story about that in a minute how i managed to outsmart the movie theater but we my brother and i snuck in we saw text chainsaw massacre what was scary was we got home and we pull into the driveway and all of a sudden i shit you not we hear a fucking chainsaw and we got in the car and fucking peeled out of the house come to find out later a tree had fallen in our backyard and our dad was cutting it up with a chainsaw that's funny (laughs) you couldn't write this shit we just saw leatherface and then we come home and hear fuck that and away we go and and at first we were getting in trouble we were going to be in trouble for breaking curfew but then we explained what happened and they went all right we'll let that go yeah it was kind of like, uh, all right, we'll let it go this one time. We we get that. We get that reasoning. But uh, one, here's a, this is a trick that I learned. So if anybody out there is listening, if you want to sneak into a movie theater, I don't know. I mean, I know we got some people in the younger demographic, but it, this is a little trick if you want to pass it along to people. Uh, I went to see the Jack, the first ever Jackass movie. And at the time, I was not old enough to see this movie in theaters, legally. So what I did was, here's the strategy that I did. An hour before the movie started, my mother drove to the movie theater. And bought a ticket to see Jackass. She then came home and handed me the ticket. Dropped me off at the movie theater. Then I walk in. A little bit. I walk in. And I'm able to walk past the ticket taker. Because I already have a ticket in my hand. 
Then I had to stand in line for when they tear the tickets up and I'm like, I'm breathing, I'm just breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out, trying to keep my cool. I go to hand the guy a ticket. He goes, enjoy the show. I'm like, thank they you. don't care. Yeah. I said, thank their you. Kids, their, their kids like, their kids like, I was like, okay, go ahead. I don't yeah. give a shit. Well, yeah. Well, they, one time we tried to sneak in, we tried to, we tried to get into a movie and they did, we, we paid for a movie and they did care. They had to give us our money back. They wouldn't refund us for the food though, which was fucking bullshit. But anyway, so we walk in, I walk in. And I go and I sit. Now, here's the trick that people don't know. Usually, because right before the movie, there's the ushers walking around with flashlights trying to find underage kids. Here's the trick. Most of the time when you're an underage kid, your first reaction is to sit in the middle seat or the back of the seat or and go somewhere where nobody can see you. Well, this the movie theaters are smart. That's where they're looking. You know where they don't look for underage kids? The aisle seat. I'm sitting right there on the aisle seat and they're walking past me and they're walking past me and they're walking past me and at one point they walked past me and I saw this random person sitting next to me and I just looked over him and went yes you looking forward to this movie and they walk right past me dude has no idea what I'm doing next to me I'm just like he's like yeah sure he thinks I'm creepy I don't give a fuck I'm here to see a movie and I was able to just I, I was I was right there in plain sight they don't notice me because that's why you sit on the aisle because adults on average sit in the aisle seat kids tend to sit on the inside at least that's how it was when I was a kid my father always sat the aisle seat and I would sit next to him my brother would sit next to him or whatever but my dad always sat in the aisle all 90% of the time you find adults in the aisle so they're not thinking to look at an ID of someone sitting in the aisle and that's how I that's how I did it I, I saw the whole jackass movie walked right out of the theater got in the car mom picked me up got in the car I peeled out fucking brilliant nice I guess that's what you do it though or you just have one person who's inside a theater um talk to them was like hey that side door is open right there could you open it for me and they'll be like okay just give me like five bucks and just say, hey, you know, once you buy your ticket, once you go inside there, could you open up that thing, whatever? Nine times out of ten, they would sit there and open up the door. You just walk through the back and never had to pay for a ticket. Sounds good. Not a bad, not a bad plan. I mean, it worked. I mean, it all depends on you know places, I guess. But here, here it is. But hey, did you watch the Super Bowl last night? No, I did not. Oh boy. So, anyways, uh, Matthew Stafford and the uh, Rams—they are now your Super Bowl champions. They beat Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. And I gotta lie to you, I was kind of hoping for uh, Bengals to win because you know. Joe was like, you know, last year he was sidelined by injury, came back from, and he came back from like a, I think it was like knee surgery or something, his rookie year, and then next year he goes to the Super Bowl with a, it's a true Cinderella story. That's kind of conflicted too because you have Matthew Stafford who I completely respect. He went to the University of Georgia here, and it's funny because Georgia Bulldogs won the championship, the Braves won the championship, and a product of Atlanta or Georgia um, that went to Georgia uh, won the Super Bowl. So it's like a trifecta of like Georgia winning. So um, that's kind of conflict. I kind of wanted the Bengals to win, but I'm really happy for Stafford because he was in Detroit for a long time on a Detroit Lions team that let's face it without Stafford would have been a lot worse uh, his first year going to the LA Rams and he went to the Super Bowl so that's pretty amazing yeah and I would have liked it too because it would have been nice to see the Cincinnati Bengals you know win it because you know they've been known for being one of the worst if not the worst team in the NFL oh that's, that's the Jaguars Tony Khan's company <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll take it I'll take a look over there I mean, I, I not really. I mean, they're they're smashing it at all fronts in wrestling. When it comes to football, I mean, that team is just a disaster. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, coincidence? Nope. I don't think so. Nope, I don't think so. But here's one <laughs> thing that the cons have over Vince McMahon: they have a wrestling company and a football team. Mic drop. Yeah. Boom. Take it, old man. There's a there's a cheerleader rah rah right. 
Exactly. Anything else, or do you want to move on to AEW? Well, I got some other topics here, but we're gonna save those for next time. You know, because I okay. feel like I feel like we've we've covered a lot, so we're we'll we'll go into AEW for um, February 9th, uh, twenty twenty two. So usually I've been uh t- usually on the variety shows I take the lead, but since we're combining this with AEW as well, um, I'll let Elvis usually leads AEW. So Elvis, if you like, I'll hand the controls to you, and you uh can lead us off. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, I'm your host. Elvis Dolinsky, host of the Dolinsky cast, probably one of the best uh, best shows on here of wrestling on here. It's pretty amazing. But um, we did have an amazing show for tonight. Did you have a chance to uh, watch the show? Did you watch the highlights? I I did watch the show. Okay, cool. cool, cool. I, I was I was as I was getting the NXT um, audio together, I watched uh, AEW. So um, I'm familiar with what happened. So it's pretty cool, man. So um, you know, so when we first start the show, we have Wardlow makes his way to the entrance with some uh, cardboard cutouts of um, MJF, um, which is pretty cool. You know, him sitting like CM Punk, you know, um, him doing like the cutouts, whatever. And pretty much, you know, they bring out FTR, Tully Blanchard, make their entrance. They're holding like champagne bottles, toasting that, you know. And of course, I told you a couple weeks ago that like, you know, MJF, I told you before I would have put CM Punk over in Chicago, but then after watching the result, I'm like, it was brilliant to have MJF win him, beat him because he was gloating about it. Like I talked about a week ago, um, that he was super happy that he was, um, he was going to gloat about it. That's something he could always hold it over his head or whatever. He made him lose twice in Chicago in the same night, pretty much. Um, it's, uh, I know it's, it's, it's pretty cool, man. Um, they came out there and, uh, what happens? I guess like MJF came out there and he made out with some girl, like for like, would seem like forever. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. Um, it was just, it was just a weird situation. How'd you feel? I mean, I think, I think it was pretty cool. I, I think we called it last week. What'd you think about the segment with the MGF celebrating? And MGF says the the famous line. He was like, "I couldn't have done this without my friend Sean Spears, who throws shade at Wardlow." And I'm like, "Uh oh, I cannot wait for this Wardlow face turn to happen because it's gonna happen. It's gonna be amazing." Oh, it is. When it does happen, it is going to be very amazing. I'm looking forward to it. And basically, Wardlow is just sitting there because this reminded me of that scene from Rocky Five when mm-hmm. Tommy Gunn wins the title. And he says, I want to thank somebody who, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be where I am right now. A legend. A man who's been like an angel on my shoulder. And you see Rocky watching this and getting emotional, like on TV, like he's going to cry. And he says, Mr. Duke! <sighs> And then it's just like that defeated moment and the crowd is booing and you're just sitting there going, you ungrateful little shit. <laughs> That's how I felt with this. Like Wardlow was like, he's getting annoyed that he's doing all this stupid shit, but he feels like, all right, I'm going to get my moment here. And then he goes, Sean Spears and, and Wardlow's just like, you yeah, bratty little prick. <laughs> Like, yeah, I thought it was I was I thought it was pretty brilliant, you know, the way they played it off. And like you saw it coming too. They're really planting those seeds and like whenever he does the turn, it's gonna be I mean it's gonna blow the freaking roof off. Warlow's over as fuck right now. Um it just shows you how much MGF really accounts for it though. So whatever, it is what it is. Um and of course we have the inter- interruption button happen right here. Uh CM Punk enters and for some reason he came out to no music, which is to me, I think it was more like I think it was more dramatic for some reason. For him to come out with the cult of personality, he just came out and then you know he gets on a mic. 
like and he's like making fun of his spray tan and all this different stuff and um he's got some friends that's gonna help him out though so out comes darby allen sting to come out with an extra bat for punk um i thought it was pretty good man so i guess the stipulation remember i told you remember we talked about last week about how cm punk and mgf had torn the roof off and you've seen everything what else they could they possibly do yeah i said there's gonna be some kind of stipulation that's gonna happen they're gonna fight each other revolution because you're losing your mind like they gave away something free on tv how could they ever make it up i'm like i will eat my words and that's what came out the ramen noodle challenge that if mjf and punk deliver on a fantastic match that so you have to do it for a week and they don't then i have to do it for a week which is fine um but i said it'd be some kind of stipulation and um that if something was to come out of it then um was to come of it um there was some kind of stipulation obviously they had the stipulation tonight it was a tag team match and they win then he gets his head on um an mjf again yeah but they make but the rule is like he can't he can't pick darby allen or staying as his partner so now the big question is can he can cm punk find somebody to coexist with because apparently cm punk has no other friends backstage now to my knowledge other than maybe team taz and uh eddie kingston i don't know too many other people or mjf obviously but i don't know too many other people that hate cm punk backstage so i kind of felt like that was you know a lost moment like that was kind of a stupid thing to say like oh good luck finding a partner it's like we we know he's gonna find one punk's not hated backstage now if you said mjf as a babyface had to go find a partner yeah he's struggling because mjf's been such a prick it would be almost impossible for him to have any to get anybody to trust him so i thought that that was kind of dumb because we knew punk was going to get a partner the big question was who that was the big question who is it going to be was i guess we'll find out later on tonight then absolutely but i will say overall i will say this about mjf i like that he said he's better than brett in canada personally i think he's better than brett period Period. Uh, he's better than Piper in Portland. That got some heat because no, you're not. And I'm damn sure better than Punk in Chicago. Well, that's true. You did beat him in Chicago. So I thought that was pretty cool. No, I thought, I mean, again, he's 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 hitting at all cylinders, man. You know, MJF, CM Punk is everything we wanted to be. The match they had like just a week ago was fantastic. And um, it's building up for, you know, this tag team match later on tonight, which is a stipulation, of course, that they win. You know, um, he's going to go ahead and get his hands at MJF. Um, they go to commercial and backstage. We have Tony Schiavone backstage with Sting Darby Allen for their long-awaited meeting with Andrade El Idolo. Um, Andrade El Idolo, like I said, he hung on his boss and knows that um, Darby is for real. But Sting says, "Dude, he's not a kid. If you have a, like, if you have a problem or if you want, if you want to talk to the guy, he's right there. Talk to him." Um, Allen says he's never going to work for him. Uh, Darby says he's going for a TNT Championship, and Andrade says he will work for him and he's going to be the next champion. Now, I'm not sure this whole thing about the Andrade Hardy HFO whatever because they joined power together um andre's supposed to be like the financial backer and uh hardy's supposed to be like the the head guy on there it's kind of falling flat i'm not sure if this is the role andre's supposed to have um i'm not sure because it seems like you're supposed to get the lucha brothers that didn't pan out so then like he went to the hardy family now they got private party it looks like private parties on their way out it's just like there's so many dissension there's so much dissension before this thing got started i don't know what to make, what to make of it private party is just a plain jobber team the blade and the butcher i mean whenever the butcher wants to stop touring with his band and actually wrestle um the blade finally made his appearance tonight and actually we get to see him next in stage we will get to see the blade versus warlow and Vinny, what happened in this match how long was this match well i know this is not nxt but i have to bring back an old phrase oh the Go next on. this is our first official match of the evening if we even want to call it that 
throwbacks to john's yeah oh speaking of which I, I gotta do a little side note thing here i forgot to mention this i had a big uh bombshell i wanted to drop i've just now remembered okay. it um i've spoken to john the good news is he will be the dm for our D show Great. the bad news is he's not returning full-time to the show no john said with all the with everything he's got going on right now and the fact that he's not been following wrestling and you know just everything's been going on he didn't he was he felt like he couldn't do his best work and he still wants to dm the dnd show but as far as coming back to do nxt or anything else he's john's left the show on good terms there's no there's no heat there's no bitterness we wish him well in his future endeavors but he is leaving the show Oh man, hate to hate to see him go. I do too. But um, you know, I guess the Dolinsky cast has to carry on, so that's fine. Um, we will persevere. But yeah. So, but I'm just saying, like, do we want to call it that? So, Elvis, you're the AEW guy. Do we want to call it that? No, because it was simply a beatdown. <laughs> uh, the Blade finally made his return, and power bomb, power bomb, power bomb, power bomb, power bomb. One, two, three. Power bomb symphony. Warlow wins by pinfall submission or fatality yeah and of course in the post-match john spears uh takes the chair and he hits him with a thing whatever and of course like warlow's just getting sick and tired of john spears at this point so i'll just face it you know yeah i mean if you see and then we have another backstage segment we have uh penta el zero merdo gets a video package where he drives up to a graveyard and says cryptic stuff like all oh, like ooh, there's like mist penetrating his soul and Mal- malachi black should be ready to face the consequences it's time for penta to rise a shovel digs up a red mask. So are we going to see a different side of uh, Zero Mirror, though? We'll see. I think uh, the Malachi Black, the House of Black, have really been, like, pushing Pac to be better. They're pushing uh, Zero Merdo, Penta Zero Merdo. I think you're going to see a whole new change from him, too. So although they were pretty devastating as that triangle, but Malachi Black and Brody King, the House of Black, have been changing lives, starting with the Varsity Blondes. That cheerleader is never going to be the same. He's breathed new soul into uh, uh, Pac. He's breathed new soul into, uh, you know, Penta. So uh, the, Steve's, the stuff's working. Malachi Black is getting people over, and he's making them better. I like it. Yeah. And actually, I just thought of something that I didn't think of at the time. Now, Elvis, you and I were big, diehard fans of Lucha Underground. Absolutely. Do you think this could be the coming of Pentagon Dark? Wow. That would be pretty awesome. That's the that's the change. We see Pentagon Dark. Cause he, he's ripping people's hands off and arms off. That'd be yeah. awesome. Because it was a whole like Pentagon Junior, Pentel Zero was already badass enough. But when he became Pentagon Dark, he had mm. no fucks. He gave like zero. no fuck zero fucks. Zero where day. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Man. I can't wait. I mean, if that's the case, then that's where we're going with Penta. Because that's weird. Penta keeps the same Penta in the beginning, but it's like you know, um, Pentagon, Pentagon Junior, Pentagon Dark, Penta El Zero though. Like he's got so many different brands and so different things, whatever. They're probably making so much money off each one of those fuckers. You know, he's a smart kid. He's a smart kid. Exactly. And next we had the uh, Inner Circle. Uh, they had to have their little group meeting because uh, you know Chris Jericho's like we're gonna have a meeting and everybody has like the attendance is mandatory everybody must be there because i'm chris jericho baby no i'm joking he didn't say that um so they'll get to the ring and everybody's there except for um ortiz and santana and then you know everybody's looking around and all of a sudden out pop out pops out pride and powerful to what i think my ears hear correctly it's new entrance music for the um 
for the duo for Pride and Powerful. And then all of a sudden, everybody starts going back and forth, trading barbs, whatever. And the long and short of it is, Jericho is like, you know, you guys are supposed to be here. You're supposed to have my back. And then um, pretty much, what is it called? Pride and Powerful is like, you know, you try, you're a champion before. You try, you know, you try getting a tag team with Sammy Hagar or, or, or Jake Hagar. You try to get into it with Sammy Guevara. But like, we're always propping you up you never helped us out we should have been tag team chains by now so pretty much prime prop was like peace out bitch i'm out um sammy g's like yeah i'm a tnt championship i don't have to do work with this shit so i'm out as well so chris jericho might be a lone wolf in all this yeah and what was interesting is the fact that jericho's like well you guys lost to the young bucks in february that had nothing to do with me and then he was basically saying, Eddie Kingston hasn't done anything for you guys. Meanwhile, you, you're you with me. You've been the main event of pay-per-views. You've made a ton of money. You, we've dominated this company. Like, I've done more for you. And then, of course, he goes, I think maybe I asked the wrong members of LAX to join. He's like, oh, wow. hey, Hager, you got Hernandez and Homicide's numbers? That was fucking cold. That was fucking great. And then and the next thing you know, they're getting into it. Sammy's trying to break him up. Jericho tells him to shut up. But before he can apologize, Sammy just has enough. And he basically says, puts his vest down and says, settle this or I quit. So then um, they basically challenge Jericho and Hager to a match next week on Dynamite. So we're going to see them versus uh, Proud, uh, Proud and Powerful. But Or should, for, or maybe for old time's sake, we should go back to calling them not LAX. Not LAX, that's right. So, <laughs> We didn't have a name for them, so that's why we would come up. I forgot about that. We used to call them not LAX, but um, because they didn't have, they didn't have a tag team name, and it wasn't like a week or two later. It's like Pride and Powerful. I'm like, I don't know if I like it. it it's cut on, but at first I'm like, I like not LAX better. Yeah. So I, I, I like. So I'm intrigued. I have a feeling that if Eddie Kingston is ready to come back, I think he's going to. I got a weird feeling at Revolution, we're gonna see a six man tag. That's what we're looking for. I mean, we have quite a few uh, six man tags kind of propping up as of right now. So, um, and we're gonna that's actually gonna lead to our next segment so um Rocky Romero obviously you know he's in the tag team with uh Trent uh, they're called a uh, Rapungi Vice um they've been doing some stuff outside of the best friends which is pretty cool because um I don't really want um I wanted Trent to get out of there and it looks like he's slowly making his way out of the best friends which is pretty awesome he got a new haircut new do new look um which is pretty cool well um they're in the back and Rocky Romero is just like you know I'm ready to go I'm ready to fight and Young Bucks roll up and they fight them and they like throw them into the production thing, whatever. They give them like a BTE trigger on the outside and out comes Switchblade Jay White from that's right, New Japan Bullet Club, baby. He throws Trent in a production truck and this was pretty awesome. If you don't know who Switchblade Jay White is, he's currently in a Bullet Club with New Japan. Um, you know, currently has you know has history with Kenny Omega, has history with Adam Cole, and you know, what's your Bullet Club? Your Bullet Club for life, unless you're um, AJ Styles or Finn Balor, obviously. Well, I guess Balor too. He's the one who started everything, so. Um, yeah. But I mean, they're always going to be Bullet Club for life. But anyways, so it's pretty cool. For you guys who don't know, I mean, like Switchblade, Jay White, he is phenomenal. He's a great wrestler. Um, he kind of reminds me of like Triple H in a way. I don't know why, but he kind of does. I don't know his physique or the badassery, but I guess his attitude, I guess. Um, but I mean, uh, Jay White, he's pretty awesome. I think you guys will really appreciate his talent once you see him wrestle. I see a couple matches of his like in New Japan and for Ring of Honor. Um, he is definitely a force to be reckoned with. And obviously, you know, they don't just throw anybody in Bullet Club. Club, you know, right? Maybe I don't know. They, no, um, but, I mean, sometimes they'll throw any anybody in the Bullet Club. There are some people who are in the Bullet Club. That's like, seriously, why the fuck are you here, Young Bucks? Why the fuck are you here? For the merch, for the merch, exactly. Like no, some, but like Jay White was a, he is currently the leader of the Bullet Club as of right now. So yeah, um, in, Japan. in my eyes. So. 
And and I have and, a question uh, I want to ask real quick. Speaking of Jay White, because sure. when Jay White debuted, and I don't know too much about him, so I'm not going to judge him. I do know he did an unsafe move in Japan that caused Jim Ross to get hurt. So as far as I know about Jay White, so I will I will wait till I see him in an AEW ring before I pass my judgment on whether he is great or whether he is a spot monkey killing the business. I will reserve judgment. But I noticed when Jay White showed up, there's a a word, a, a certain phrase came up, and it's a phrase that I have heard a lot lately in AEW and at first it sounded kind of cool but then I've really been thinking about it like logically thinking about it and I don't think this phrase really applies to this company and that phrase is forbidden door mm-hmm. here's my issue I'm all for people coming into AEW here's the problem the whole purpose of a forbidden door is that it's forbidden which means you are not allowed to walk through this door it's like when your parents would tell you don't go in my room it's forbidden don't go here it's forbidden or in beauty and the beast you can go anywhere you like except the west wing what's in the west it's forbidden that's all you need to know so but yet tony khan on multiple occasions from the time the company started back when it was as elvis used to say a t-shirt company I still do. Tony Khan has made it abundantly clear that he is open to working with other promotions. And he was influenced by Jim Cornette to do so. Because he heard the story where Cornette used to talk about in the territory days how different territories would work together. Like, sometimes they would say, hey, uh, I got this, you got this guy, like Waldo Von Erich. And Vince wanted to work with him, so he'd make a deal with Crockett. Hey, I'd like Waldo Von Erich. Can you make him available for me? Yeah, sure, Vince. No problem. All right. In exchange for that, I'll give you an extra week of dates with Andre. Like, they would work on that. They would work together in some way. So, if Tony Khan has said since day one-ish that he's open to working with other promotions, I fail to see where the forbidden door is. It can't be forbidden if you're allowed to walk through it. In fact, I'm, I'm going to probably get a lot of heat for saying this, but the only forbidden door move that I've seen was Mickey James showing up in the Royal Rumble because WWE made it clear they don't want to work with other people but yet they let Mickey James an impact wrestler walk in to the Royal Rumble with her women's title around her waist and played her theme song Hardcore Country to me that's a forbidden door so again and I know Elvis likes to spin the plates he spins them right round baby right round like a record baby right round round Round. Explain to me how AEW has a forbidden door when anybody can walk through it. That sounds really good. Are you done with that little conversation? Oh, I'm very much done. Go ahead. Okay. Well, for, the policy on a forbidden door is like typically most companies keep their guard up and they don't want people coming to their promotion unless they're going to get signed up with them. The prime example is WWE. And you know, I got to give kudos to you. You're right. We did have um mickey james come to the show as impact wrestling champion but i have to credit aw for giving vince the balls or even the audacity to even try that because you know for sure it is forbidden door talk wasn't on twitter or on facebook or anything else like that it would not even be a concept it's not even something they would have brought up they had to do it because they had to switch it up a little bit because they got to copy some other people make it their own the forbidden door is like so if ring of honor was to be ring of honor they don't have people jumping in to ring of honor unless they're going to be signed with them not just a one night off whatever 
Um, that's why partnerships work. So the Forbidden Door is like, you're not supposed to see this TV. You're not supposed to see this on here. WWE did the same thing. They got Mickey James. They had some kind of cross promotion where they made something to work. Or, hey, bring your people on here and elevate impact for some reason. Um, with that said, you know, there's more companies willing to work with each other because if you have more TV time, it brings more brand notoriety like NWA, you know, when it comes to impact, when it comes to Ring of Honor, all these different places. So AEW is the place to go as of right now. Uh, that Forbidden Door is a term because you're not supposed to spend on TV and you'll probably, see, you'll probably see somebody from a different promotion and it's not signed with the contract. So that Forbidden Door is like, nah, it's not a Forbidden Door. We're keeping it open for you guys. I mean, it's forbidden because for the longest time it was supposed to be forbidden. WCW is with WCW and WWE is WWE. And, you know, all these, the, never the two shall meet unless, what, their contract's over. And that's the way it works. And you came with a different gimmick. You can bring your gimmick from a different corporation and bring it here with your music and everything else. And, you know, no one's going no one's gonna to bat an eye. That's why it's a forbidden door, Vinny. So you're saying the whole concept behind the forbidden door is to take cheap shots at WWE and not necessarily that they had a forbidden door. Well, is that second shots really? It's more about opening the conversation for cross promotion without trying to be dicks about it. Okay. You know, if anything, WWE is a big bully for like you know. Don't get me wrong; they want to build their own talent, and it makes sense because they want to have complete, complete control of those characters, of the finances, of the money coming into. Because all that money that Vince McMahon makes is gonna be money that Vince McMahon makes. He doesn't want anybody to take more than they're supposed to. So if your trip, if your talent makes a certain amount, give the talent their money, give the people, the production people, the offices people. Whatever and triple you know triple h stephanie shane Vince man they all want that money to, they're entitled to because they got that money so they want to sit there and pay a, a superstar to come out and go one off and pay a whole bunch of money unless you're really a star attraction um so for years we we're taught that you know once you're on one side you're on that side until your contract ends and if you want to go somewhere else you can so it's always like back and forth that's why like a lot of people like watching the 90s with um money night wars and see who got laid off and then a couple months later you got somebody else like you know six or um x-pac whatever he went from like you know from from WCW to uh he went from WWE to, or WWF to WCW back to WWE right so he bounced around quite a bit big show he made the jump from WCW over to WWF and vice versa you know still like studying Steve Austin coming to TV and um, all these different people going from one company to another I mean that the invasion angle that happened I mean we all know it was bought so there wasn't really an invasion we know you bought it so <laughs> You know, it kind of took the thing out of it. But with the forbidden door, it's it's really important because we were trained for years that, you know, you're either on this side, you're on that side, and never the two shall meet until you're let off, pretty much, is what it is. Okay. All right. I can see that. That was, that was just something that confused me. So uh, as much as I really don't want to say what I'm about to say right now, mm-hmm. let's go to the next match. All right. We had a face of the revolution ladder match qualified match. We had Isaiah Cassidy versus a mystery opponents. And who do we get as a mystery opponents? Oh, basket is glory. It's like, who? Keith Lee makes his debut on AEW. He makes quick work of him. He qualifies in the face of the Revolution Ladder match. It was pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. And it all happens at the post-match. Mark Quinn decides he wants to tag him. And then uh, what did Mr. Uh, Brody Lee, or not Brody Lee, but Keith Lee do? He powerbombs Quinn into Cassidy on the apron. It was pretty awesome. So it just kind of shows you, though, where Private Party currently is right now. He got squashed. And Keith Lee, with a big smile on his face, super happy to be working for a company that actually will take care of him. Welcome home, baby. Welcome to our embracing arms. You are welcome here. We kept the light on for you, buddy. I'm glad you found your way. Yes. Um. Oh, boy. <laughs> do, I, do I dare talk about this? 
this? Oh no. Okay, here's the part where I'm gonna drive some people crazy. All right, so I see Isaiah Cassidy in the ring. I, like everybody else, am anxious to see who's coming down the ramp. I see Limitless and I see Keith Lee, which I was impressed because I didn't know if he could legally use Limitless. Well, WWE, that, 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 the whole reason why they changed the music is because the company they had before got let go and they went with a different company. I think it was cheaper or something, so they couldn't use that, the rights anymore to that. Well, somehow so WWE Keith Lee got going. it back. What's that? Well, somehow he got it back. Well, here's the thing, though, because, like, you had his first theme music when he was in um, NXT. When he went to the main roster, he had a different um, song. Well, yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, like, and th- th- but they stopped, they even stopped the Limitless, like, altogether, though, which I thought was w- w- ridiculous. So he comes yeah, out with the Limitless thing, crowd's going nuts, I'm going nuts, because I love Keith Lee. I'm a big fan of Keith Lee. I oh, hated God. the way he was treated in WWE. This guy is genuinely great. So he gets in the ring, he's standing there, the crowd's Chan, oh, basket is glory. And he's conduct. He's doing the conducting. I love every second of it. Keith Lee is feeding off the crowd. Isaiah gets in his face, starts pointing on him, like tapping his shoulder. They get into the corner. He takes Isaiah Cassidy. He launches him clear across the fucking ring. I think like there's like there's a rumor going around like that he's still flying right now from oh. what I heard. Oh, God, yeah. Dude, that was amazing. Crowd popped. I popped. It was fucking epic i loved it and then he got all smug and all proud of himself keith lee kind of flexing a little bit like yeah i just did that it was great he just threw him into the corner and then launched his ass then isaiah cassidy you know throws a couple shots couple kicks and tries to irish whip him keith's like i ain't going nowhere launches him does the leapfrog, does the drop down thing, and then boom, sends him down. And then all of a sudden, they go out to the ring briefly, they throw him back in, and then he slams his head into the turnbuckle, and then the turning point happens, for me at least. He then slingshots himself over the top rope and lands a crossbody. That's amazing. Now, here's... Now, first of all, I didn't like the fact he did the move to begin with. I am one of those people that I hate watching big men wrestle like cruiserweights. It bugs me. It bothers me. You do it. There's no place for it because too many motherfuckers do that already. It's... I prefer to see at least one person besides Hook that doesn't flip. That's just me. But I was like, uh, but here's what bothered me more than that. The fact that he did that move and it was not the finish. If you're a big fat motherfucker, and I say that with love because I am a fat person too, and you land on a guy like Isaiah Cassidy who is nothing but skin and bones, at that point, you hook the leg one, two, three. Anything after that makes no logical sense. His, especially when I'm supposed to believe, all his weight came down on Isaiah Cassidy, and that's not the finish. So already I'm like, this is weird. But then Keith Lee goes for the power bomb, and I'm like, okay, this is a bit excessive, but it's his debut. He wants to make a statement. He wants to let the world know I am limitless. All right, hit him with the power bomb, Keith. Go ahead, drop him with that power bomb. Pin him in the center of the ring. Stake your claim. You're the fucking man. And then. Then, all of a sudden, for reasons no one's been able to explain to me, Isaiah Cassidy crawls underneath his legs, rolls the duck a clothesline, hits a bunch of drop kicks, and this match continued for another two, three minutes. 
That pissed me off. I'm sorry. <laughs> that? What the fuck? You're telling me Isaiah Cassidy had a man who is roughly 400 pounds. All that weight came down on you, and you're still able to move like that? Get the fuck out of here. There's no way in real life. If this was anything re in engulfed in reality, you could get the fuck back up from that. When you are basically skin and bones. He's so skinny, Brock Lesnar could pick him up and use him as a goddamn toothpick. And you're telling me this big heavy set guy landed on you while slingshotting himself for momentum? And you were able to still get up and crawl? It's already, mentally, I'm taken out of the goddamn match. Because all I can think is, how is this match going any longer? That's what's bothering me. Then, of course, there's that corkscrew dive thing that Keith Lee actually took a bump for, which bothered me again, because I believe you're a big motherfucker, you're making a debut, you ain't bumping, especially for a guy like Isaiah Cassidy. I'm sorry, Isaiah Cassidy, we've already established that Private Party is a jobber tag team, so why are you bumping for a jobber? The pro that's one thing that bothers me about AEW is I don't feel like anybody has the balls to say sometimes, hey, I shouldn't do this, it's beneath me. Because you want everybody in the locker room to love you. And I sometimes feel like that happens at the expense of your character. But again, people are happy to see Keith Lee. So the fans are letting it go. But that, to me, was fucked up. The fact that Keith Lee, as dominant as he is, took him seven minutes to beat Isaiah Cassidy. Because that tells me one of three things. Either A, Keith Lee's a pussy. B, Isaiah Cassidy's the toughest son of a bitch in the locker room. Or three, this is all fake. Which one is it? Because there's no way. It should have taken him seven minutes to beat him. If you're going to have a match that long, you get somebody who's credible. Because if it takes you seven minutes to beat Isaiah Cassidy, how am I supposed to believe you're going to have an easy time beating anybody else other than maybe Orange Cassidy? Wow. So to me, that bothered me. Because again, it reminds me of that story that Al Snow told about Tony Atlas. You ever heard this story? Uh, nope. I felt I'm going to hear it. Here's the story. What? No, but I felt I'm going to hear it. You want to hear it? No, I said I felt. I I feel like I'm going to hear it. Okay, this is the story. A long time ago, Tony Atlas was working for Georgia Championship Wrestling. Ole Anderson was the booker he brought him in. And they wanted to sell the fact that Tony Atlas was a badass motherfucker because of how big he is. So he would come out, kind of cut a promo, welcome himself. They had him talk for a bit. And he said, come in the ring next week. Come here next week. I'm going to bench press 500 pounds in the ring. Come out, see this. I need your prayers. Being all the baby face. I need your prayers. I need your cheers. And they set it up to where when you came in, they positioned the weight at the front of the door when you walked in. So you could feel the weight. You could touch the weight. So you could see these were real plates and they weren't really, these were not like, these weren't CrossFit rubber plates. This is real steel. Although I don't think CrossFit existed back then, but try to make a point. And then they, the, when, the, when, the, when the crew puts the stuff in the ring, the bench press and everything, when they lift the weight, they lift it like it's the heaviest thing they've ever lifted in their lives. Even if they can lift it, no problem. Because they're putting the weight over. Tony, then Tony Atlas gets in the ring. And he is out there, you know, thanking everybody for coming out. He walks around, slowly walks around the bar, feeling the weight, feeling the bar, building the anticipation. He then lays down on the bar, on, on the bench, sorry, grabs the bar with his hands. And he's pausing for dramatic effect the whole time. Pushes the weight off the bar, holds on to it, and holds it up there for a good while, long enough to register. Pulls the bar down or lowers the bar, waits, waits. 
pushes it up. Place explodes. He just, and then he says, come back next week. I'm going to have my first match. So Tony Atlas comes back next week. He has a match with a guy who is basically the size of Funaki. Now, that's not to make fun of Funaki. That's just to illustrate the size difference between these two wrestlers. Because obviously Funaki, on some level, contributed to the business because you serve one of two purposes. You're either the guy that sells tickets or the thing that helps sells tickets. If he didn't serve one of those two purposes, he wouldn't have had the career that he had. So Funaki's just that. Tony Atlas goes out there and has a solid 12-minute match with this guy. 12 minutes. Crowd went nuts. Crowd loved every bit of it. It was a show stealer. Tony Atlas walks to the back. Ole Anderson's standing there, and he's the angriest he's been in a long time. That's saying a lot for Ole Anderson. He's a moody motherfucker. And he looks at Tony, and he says, I want to thank you. And he goes, you're welcome, man. Thank you. And he goes, no, no, no. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really need to thank you. He goes, why? He said, I want to thank you for killing the fucking business. Tony's like, what? What are you talking about? I just went out there. I had a solid 12-minute match. Crowd was going crazy. How did I kill the business? And he pulls Tony to the side. He pulls the other his opponent to the side, and he goes, I'm going to tell you why, you big dummy. And he puts him in front of a mirror and says, look at the two of you. If this was a real fight, how long would it take this big guy here to beat this little guy here? Nothing. Took you 12 minutes. You bench pressed 500 pounds in the ring. It took you 12 minutes to beat him. Not only that, you you put him in the corner and punched him 10 times. You didn't bleed him. You didn't mark him. And he didn't give up. You didn't knock him out. You had to pick him up and power slam him to the match just to beat him. So really, how good was your match? You killed my fucking business dead. And Tony had to leave the territory. He had to stay home for six months. He had, he had to go away for six months. Let that die off. So I'll ask the question. Keith Lee wrestled a skinny twig like Isaiah Cassidy, power slammed him with all his weight, and couldn't keep him down. And bumped for him when in rea- when during the post-match beatdown, he caught him in midair. Like, he had to wait till after the match before it finally dawned on him, oh, wait, I can catch this guy. So really, in the scheme of things... How good was this match? I thought it was a good showing. I thought it was a good showing for Keith Lee regardless. I think people were just so jazzed to see him. Tony Atlas probably didn't have that many followers, so a 12-minute match for him was a big deal. So what the only say was correct, maybe those standards and those times, but I'm sorry, realistically, AEW is not on that timeline. Our timeline's ahead of that. We're, we've evolved. We've changed from that. There have changed since from the time of Tony Atlas and Ole Anderson was booking shit. We're in a whole new generation with like fucking internets and fucking Twitters and Instagrams and shit like that. So although a lot of things he says still holds a lot of weight today, but at the same time, not really, man. It doesn't. So, you know, same thing with uh, with any wrestlers. You can always do the comparisons, you know, like, you know, Big Show versus Rey Mysterio. How did how Rey Mysterio win a championship? How is that ever a thing? But it happened, you know, how did David, you know, uh, Arquette win a championship? Um, you know, all these undersized people who won championships, they shouldn't have, but they did. So you're supposed to suspend your disbelief when it comes to it. Now, again, what he says holds true, but at the same time, like, I think he looked great. He was, everybody was happy just to see him. Because NXT, I mean, NXT's lost a lot of good talent. Keith Lee, Adam Cole, um, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish. I mean, the only thing we're missing now is Johnny Gargano and fucking, um, um, what's his name? D-D-D-Y-I, D-D-Y-U, do yourself, whatever. Tommaso Ciampa. Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano is the only thing we're really missing. After that, though, we'll be set. We'll have the best characters from NXT who, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. And that's what they did. So, um, and speaking of that, though, with our next package over here, we have Britt Baker in the back saying that she has a clear alliance with Mercedes Martinez. Now, I remember about a year ago, about a year and a half ago, Miss Mercedes Martinez joined NXT roster. Is that correct? She debuted, really she debuted in the Royal Rumble and you were crying. <laughs> 
Okay. And then what, you know, fast forward about a year or something. Now she's a full-time roster at AEW. So another piece of the puzzle comes back home, baby. (laughs) Welcome back with embracing arms. I'm loving it. So I love how you're saying welcome back. Like, like, like they were there first. It's like, this is a new company. There's no welcome home. No, welcome home. I mean, she may have went somewhere else, but that wasn't her place. That wasn't her home. AEW was her home from the get-go. You know, everybody wants to go to WWE. You know, it's one of those childhood dreams, but AEW is really coming along. And, you know, she, this was her home home the whole time she just didn't know it now she knows the loving embrace of her parents welcome home Mer- you know mercedes martinez now i love mercedes martinez and i'm glad that if she if AEW does right by her then i hope that uh she's very successful there because i loved mercedes i thought she was great in nxt i hated they made her they put her in that retribution storyline um, which, and everybody talks about how horrible that storyline is, but what pisses me off is if they had done it a different way, it would have been so much better. Like, if they had used stars that they actually released during the pandemic instead of calling up people from NXT, I really think Retribution would have been better because it would have made more sense. They were disgruntled employees that WWE threw away like trash, so we're causing chaos. When you found out they were all NXT call-ups, it killed it right there. That's true. I mean, but nonetheless, welcome home. Mercedes Martinez, you get a home with AEW, now you're best friends with the Britt Baker, baby. So it's good. I'm happy. So next we have a tag team match. It was FTR, Cash Wheeler, and X Harwood versus uh CM Punk and a part of his own choosing. And who did they pick for this, Vinny? Who was a surprise guest to be CM Punk's tag team for tonight? The Death Rider, the recovering alcoholic himself, John Moxley. I am so happy. I am so happy that happened. That plays like it marked it like everybody just blew oh, their fucking lid off. It was good. See, Fucking Moxley on the same side, I thought it was pretty awesome. And this is a match. I'm pretty sure if you've heard Corny, or I haven't heard it yet, but I'm pretty sure if um from anything that happened tonight, though, Jim Cornette will be like, "Well, to see him punk and Mussolini on Canada," like the way he does it. Oh, have you heard the um, full song? What's that? Have you heard? He, you know, he wrote a full song. I know, I know, I know. I've heard it. I've heard it. Yeah, fried or broiled, the cow must die. Yeah, I know. <laughs> No, but like uh, the you know like everybody I mean everybody marked the fuck out Moxley and CM Punk I mean this is a a tag team made in heaven pretty much because everybody expected you know back when CM Punk was on top of his game in WWE when Seth Rollins and Moxley came in it was supposed to be um, those like Moxley and Rollins it was supposed to be Chris Hero but instead they put Roman Reigns which we all know the story but seeing these two together uh, this was a classic battle this was a classic tag team match and that's why I love FTR man they are so old school and CM Punk so old school I mean all these guys are pretty much old school they have like their roots in it right like they they were raised in it and they're also trained by it as well too and i mean this is super fun i think even at one point they did like the um doomsday advice on it um i thought it was so cool man it was just a, it was super fun to watch i mean it was like classic old school wrestling with you know fisherman carries and underhooks and you know it wasn't like the flippy floppy stuff that uh mr vinnie bucci hates so i'm pretty sure this one really hit right at home for him stellar tag team match ftr yeah. was ftr has always been great they even even when they've had to work around spot monkeys ftr always finds a way to make it work they are my favorite tag team right now in aw and you know i i look forward to the day when they reclaim what is rightfully theirs but um cm punk and moxley worked very well together as a 
team. I mean, I, I don't have the same, necessarily the same opinions on Moxley that uh, Corny does, but uh, either way, uh, Moxley's good when he when he wants to be. And I think that now that he's, um, you know, now that he's um, back, uh, now that he's on the wagon, and, uh, and I mean that nicely, I'm not trying to be a dick, uh, I think that that's made him a better wrestler, and I think that his heart is in it more now. Not that it wasn't in there before, but I think now he has a better appreciation for the business, and that's why he's, you know doing better in the ring because I've always felt like he could do better and I'm starting to see that now and it's great and Punk's always been great in the ring Punk is you know very very impressive so this was a good match and now Punk gets to choose you know anywhere anytime that he gets MJF and I'm just praying to God that they choose Revolution because I swear to God if there's like a if if there's a long if if, if they're gonna be in Long Island New York at any point between now and Revolution I'm gonna start panicking because they put the rematch on free TV, I'll be like, fuck these people. I'll lose my fucking shit. Go to Revolution and end it there. Make money. But outside yeah, of that, that, stellar tag match. Yeah, it was a stellar tag match. CM Punk and Moxley definitely went by penfall with the go to sleep on Cash Wheeler. And I even saw Tully Blanchard get take a GTS, which I'm not sure why he's taking bumps, but you know what though? For conversation, like, like for the whole the whole thing, whatever. I thought it was pretty cool. I think it was a good match, you know, top yeah. to bottom. So I loved it. Yeah, and the well, the bump for Tully Blanchard makes sense because sometimes managers do take a bump. But um, what's good about it is Punk knows how to protect people in the ring. He's very safe to work with, and he he needs to be, especially with all the shit he said about Ryback over the years. He better be safe in the ring because that'll be the ultimate hypocrisy. But with someone like Tully Blanchard, who's a lot lighter for Punk, it's easier to lift him up and it's easier to control the situation. So that way, when uh, Tully takes the bump, it doesn't hurt as much and he's safe. And that's right. Punk goes out of his way to protect Tully Blanchard. So when you're doing something like that, it's a lot easier when the other guy can protect you better. That's true. Um, it's really good. So that was a good match. I, I, I was fun. I, the pop that match had for it that was pretty awesome. So I always I'll try to listen to the audience and um, try to get the pops. And the pops was definitely there for it. But it was definitely good stuff. But um, we're going to cut to the next match. We have a women's match. Aqua versus uh, Jade Cargo for the AEW TBS Championship Over Challenge. You guys know my feelings about Jade Cargo, but you know, I'm gonna turn around on this one and say, uh, Cargo did really fucking good in this one. Um, she was different than what she was last week, definitely for sure. I think that time with Daniel Bryan or um, Brian Danielson is really, um, kind of showing off whatever she's not like just all flexing or whatever though she's finally learning to use those camera angles so you don't have that lost time where it looks like she's just waiting or anticipating something she's actually getting more active into it so um I, it's funny how just a little bit of time with brian dalison's really gonna i think it might even fine tune her up and aqua was a perfect like stellar in this match i loved her i did too like i thought she did very good in this match uh aqa i don't know too much about her but um this is an opportunity for jade to really do well and she got a chance to show off that she can she 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 can do psychology storytelling and be able to work. And I think this was a good showing for her. Um, and of course, obviously, there's always going to be room for improvement with her because she's still a work in progress. But she's now starting to have some skills to go with the look, and that's what she needs because obviously the look is what's getting her the push. But the good news is the technical stuff can be taught. And when you got a teacher like Brian Daniels and it's hard to go wrong. Yes, I think it's going to be really good. I mean, I think she's really going to come off. So I told her she was hot garbage for a while. She just had that look, whatever. And the thing is, like, you, you know, like that's the most mentality for green people coming out about learning your craft. And it looks like 
in a week's time, she's improved. And I'm kind of surprised. I'm like, wow. I, and maybe she had a good dance partner in Aqua. And then Aqua's only been around for like, fuck, what, what, three, four years, trained by Booker T. Um, so, I mean, she's doing pretty stellar. So, I uh, hope these two fight again in the future because I think these guys were very fluid. They had very good chemistry. Jade looked like a million to bucks out there. Um, so, my stock in her was below zero at one point. And I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna turn around on Jade Cargo and say, uh, congratulations on the win. And at the same time, you're winning me over. I just keep having matches like this. Make it go a little bit longer. Show some more range and how, like, you're fluid on there and you're going to go places. So, just keep listening to the guy, man. Do, do your thing. Take what you take what he's teaching you make it your own and i mean she's gonna be good i i was really shutting her for a long time but you know what i'm turning my 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 head around jade cargill and um you know we'll see time will tell i guess yeah, see, people can change. And uh, so what happens next? Then we got a backstage segment. We got the Young Bucks and Adam Cole in the back doing a backstage uh, um, a segment on there. And they're just pretty much talking about the rankings and talk correct, um, credit for bringing Jay White in. Uh, Matt and, um, but obviously there's a dissension between Matt and, you know, Matt and Nick, whatever. It's like, you know, a nice little heads up would have been nice. And then like he goes, like, remember, when you're Bullet Club, you're Bullet Club for life. And then um, and uh, I guess Matt has Brain Club he knows about the switchblade thing and says he's never heard something so i guess there's some kind of thing about switchblade i didn't look into it so that's fine um so pretty much next week they're gonna have the serena deeb um rookie challenge it's like a five minute challenge for all rookies pretty much so pretty much like any new rookie's gonna be on there like every week starting tonight actually starting right now um she's gonna have a five minute challenge and she's going to have a rookie challenge for all rookies that come on dynamite and face the amazing serena deeb it's almost like the U.S. challenge for every week, but this is like a chance for rookies to really come out and put their shine on TV and get to wrestle Serena D. White, which I think is brilliant and fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely something cool for Serena D. to do, especially since she's like, like I said, it gives her a chance to showcase her talent and everything. And as long as the, and, and obviously the five minute challenge, I don't really see this though as something that's obviously going to get uh, anybody over except for Serena. I feel like this five minute challenge is one of those things where this is not to elevate the women, it's just to elevate her. Well, I think what I think the point of it's supposed to be like she's supposed to be like this big bully you know what I'm saying oh, for yeah. the five minute challenge taking out the rookies and everything else and then you're gonna have like a gem come in there and like take her more than five minutes and it's gonna start a feud and you know kind of go from there well she'll have to put this on a wall so I think this might build for like a couple weeks maybe to like a couple months where she's just beating rookie after rookie after rookie getting her wins like make get closer to the world title for the women's division and eventually <clears throat> go for the title or B get getting that feud for the new up and comer who's really got potential and build that feud up to make that person, you know, get higher up there. Because the more she keeps beating these rookies, the more, like, these rookies come in and want, have that chip on her shoulder and want to fight harder, and they could build a great story around that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, I guess it all depends on who that lucky woman's going to be, whoever they decide to pull the trigger on, for the rookie that's going to come in and take on Serena Deeb and... You know, uh, kind of build the storyline like you know she beat like Sheeta and all these different people, whatever, right? Um, so it's a good little story. It's planting the seeds early tonight, and it was a, it was a squash match. Let's face it. I mean, she won by submission with the Serenity Lock. Nothing new, nothing crazy. Serena Deeb's amazing as always, and I look forward to seeing this every week because she's gonna be squash after squash after squash. She's gonna say no one can beat her, and all of a sudden out comes the hero to try to take on the dubious Serena Deeb. So I think it should be fun. Yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds like it's gonna be fun. Um, and then. 
then of course, uh, what do we got after that? You know, we had so much cool shit happen in this fucking thing. I completely forgot we had a world championship Texas death match. We didn't even announce it from the top of the show. Hangman Adam Page versus Lance Archer for AEW World Championship. Um, so this match didn't even start. Like it started like right from the get go. He's like fucking like Hangman Adam Page saw him in the back. He's like, I'm just gonna beat your ass here. <laughs> so these motherfuckers are trading blows from the back, and I mean. I gotta give it to Hangman Adam Page, man. Like, he's getting a lot of respect out there. A lot of people don't feel the same way I do, but I'll, this is where I say he is. The storyline he had with Kenny Omega that went on for about a year was fucking amazing. And then he won a world championship and the world fucking, like, was, like, super happy. But they're like, okay, well, what's, what are we gonna do now with Hangman Adam Page, right? Um, so he had the first title defense. He goes against Brian Danielson in two bouts, one on free TV, one on a pay-per-view. Um, he had this feud. I even told you this feud was Lance Archer's gonna be short, so by the time he gets to Revolution, it's be something new whoever next person is gonna be a big time remember me saying that about a week ago two weeks ago i believe so okay so i said like whoever the next person to be and the thing is like you know it was so cool because you had someone like um you know like uh brian danielson take him on and took him to his limits when it came to it um then he had a the, you know this monster feud with lance archer and then this one it was like a fucking hardcore match i mean some people say they're not giving him enough respect on it i think he's getting plenty of it, it shows that he's versatile he could wrestle a technician's game he's big enough and crazy enough to get into a texas death strap with a big fucking murder hawk monster like lance archer and this thing pulled no punches like literally i like verbatim it pulled no punches i mean Heyman and page had a fucking bob wire wrapped around his hand and punched him in the fucking face i mean there was like a bunch like larry through a fucking table on the outside i mean i mean Heyman and page got thrown off the steel off the steel steps it looks like he bounced like five feet after he hit it though uh people got hit in the face with trash lids with trash cans i mean this was a pretty gruesome match for those GCW like lifers out there who loves that shit though. I mean, I, I like it as much as the next person, but nothing really crazy. Um, and here's the thing that kind of makes me mad. So at one point, Jake the Snake Roberts he gets in and he gives him the DDT. Now again, everybody knows when I do a DDT to anybody, it takes them out for a second. Vinny hits you with a DDT, it goes on for a second. If a regular wrestler hits a DDT, people will usually kick out of it. But when Jake the Snake Roberts hits it, nobody gets up. And Archer didn't want to take the win that way. He wanted to do it his way and he fucking lost. I was like, damn it, Lance Archer, you were under the learning tree of Jake the Snake Roberts if he does nothing. I thought he was supposed to leave because maybe you you were dragging him down. I retort that. You, Lance Archer, you're bringing Jake the Snake Roberts down, motherfucker. That, to me, was so goddamn ridiculous. Like, first of all, the fact that Jake Roberts was able to hit Adam Page with that clothesline was good enough. It was timed oh, no. well. And here's the thing that would have made it great. Jake the Snake, when he did that DDT, when he was going for that DDT spot, that's the one that he did to Ricky the Diva... I mean, Dragon Steamboat many years ago that damn near split his head open. Because oh, wow. what happened was they wanted him to do it. This the, the the guy George South or whatever wanted him to do it on the concrete floor, but Jake didn't want to do it because he knew it was not going to go well. But Jim, but Ricky begged him to do it because he needed the the spot to get over for the heat. It was a heat spot, so Ricky begged him and begged him and begged him, and Jake finally said, "Okay, he did it," and it damn near killed him. Like his forehead swelled up, his eyes went dark, Ricky's, and they had to get like people to come out to carry him to the back. And as Jake and Jake's in the rain, he's yelling at George South. Go and this is your fault. This is on your hands, motherfucker. He was mad. So they were gonna they were gonna do that spot right there, and then Lance Archer fucks it up. And I'm like, 
Fuck you, Lance. Just fuck this guy. And you're, and you're right. And the thing is, like, you know, and it, it just shows one thing about the difference between Paige and uh, Archer. Paige has a killer instinct. He went for all those crazy moves. He did a buckshot lariat off the fucking referee's back, pretty much. You know what I'm saying? Um, he's got that killer instinct because he wants to retain. He wants to fight. He That championship is so close and near to him. It's almost like Goldie and Ciampa, right? That's yeah. a, that's the comparisons you draw from it, whatever. So he's not that crazy where he talks to or anything, but he's got that killer instinct where Lance Archer, he likes to beat people up, but he doesn't have the killer instinct. And how do you not get the killer instinct when you're under the learning tree of Jake the Snake Roberts? So, I mean, yeah, Lance Archer deserved to lose, and it made Hangman and Page, again, look strong in the proceeding. Why? Because, you know, he has a killer instinct, and he's going to continue having it. He's got that hunger, that thirst for it, and, you know, having a technician fight, you now a Haas fight. At the end, Hangman and Page retains the title. Post-match, Emco comes to the ring, grabs the title from the belt from Paul Turner. A bloody and better t- um, Page turns to face him. Cole puts the belt on a champion's shoulders, pats it two times, and that's the show. Yeah. So I told you, last week, or the week before, whenever we did a show, I was like, guys, whoever the next contender is going to be a big shot, a big person, and who bigger than Adam Cole, baby? So now, what do you think is going to happen? Like, how do we play this out, though? Does Heyman and Page lose the belt to Adam Cole? Will there be some dissension? Or what is going to happen? Because um, Adam Cole's been pretty prosperous so far. His his record speaks for itself. The only match, the match he lost was um, Orange Cassidy, but that was like in a non-sanctioned lights-out match. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the future holds, but what do you think is going to happen with this? Or what do you want to see happen? Well, um, well, as far as um, Adam Cole Pussy goes, um, and, the re- and if you're wondering why I'm calling in that it's because he referenced the reason why the Orange Cassidy match. I'm sorry, Orange Cassidy puts you in a bear hug and you can't break out of that. You're a pussy. So Bebe is for respect. I put no respect on Adam Cole's name till he re-earns it. So, but how I, I personally like because everybody's talking about Adam Cole and this undefeated streak that he's on. I can't. I'm trying to find the full list. I know he mentioned it on TV. Other than Frankie Kazarian, I didn't hear a single name on that list that is credible. Like, not one person where I went, holy shit, he beat him? Like, no. It was Frankie Kazarian and a bunch of underlings. So even though Adam Cole has an undefeated streak, I haven't seen him beat any name of consequence in wrestling. Therefore, I do not take him seriously as a contender to the Hangman. And also, Adam Page needed this match to cement how badass he is. I compared this to when Cena fought JBL in the I Quit match years ago. It's cemented that Cena was a fucking badass and JBL was going out of his way to make sure in that match Cena looked badass that's why he put him through the hell that he put him through in that ring Hangman Adam Page needed this my two biggest complaints about this match are Lance Archer fucking up the Jake Roberts DDT spot and the fact that this is on free TV and not pay-per-view. I'll stand by that. But as far as the match itself, fucking phenomenal. Even the fact that they took the top rope down so he couldn't hit his buckshot lariat, but when he flipped off the referee's back, the referee was, it was timed where the referee was picking something up that was important. And then Adam Page flipped over his back. So again, timing made it believable. And I love this because I do think Adam Page has been getting a bad a raw deal. And it's not even his fault. His world title matches were opening the show, which to me is disrespectful to the belt. I don't think so because the first match is always bangers, man. Bangers? I, I don't care. Your champion should main event. You're, if you're worth a damn, you're the last match on the card. You aspire yeah, to be the main event. You're, you're, you're absolutely right in WWE. No, that's the truth, period. You, if 
if you're the money maker, you go on last. You're opening the show. You're a curtain jerker. You ain't drawing money. So you're telling me your world champion doesn't you. draw? That's the message you're sending. Company, sir. Huh? No, that does, that does not apply for my for my show. That logic, that old uh, carny rule, where like your champion goes on last, does not pertain to this. It pertains to pay per view, sir, not to television. You're looking at it all wrong. I'm... So I'm sorry. I mean, I'd like to agree with you, but we both be wrong. Um, our bangers for either. I told you when it comes to AW, there's two main ones. Typically, it's your first match and your last match on TV. When it, when it comes to pay per view, you're absolutely right, Benny. When it comes to TV, that formula doesn't work for us. Yeah. Well, usually your formula is the Bucks open the show so they can get all their shit in and get the pop from the crowd. No, the- it's supposed to be wrist lock. What is it again? Wrist lock, headlock, no, painting destroyer. Hip toss, take hip toss, drop down, destroyer. There you go. But I'm but saying I mean, like, again, the Bucks our, our always like the Bucks there. usually like to open the show because by the time they get to their match, they've seen everything that because everything the Bucks can do, everybody else can do because they're not original. You know, so well, that's I mean, why like, they open the show. We see that a lot, but you know what? They main invented a lot of matches. Yeah, they've had like a lot of beginning matches too. And those are fucking bangers. Uh, they just had um, amazing tag team. Well, they fought against uh, Rapungi Vice. They played. Uh, they went against um, uh, Trent and uh, Rocky Romero on Rampage last week, and that shit was fucking phenomenal. And, and it was a lot of flippant shit. You probably won't like it, but for I, you AEW hopefuls, I probably and wouldn't because Trent Barretta is the only really person the best friends show, I have any respect. I, I respect him too. I like him. I always I told. Think. I told you for how long Trent needed to break away, and he's finally doing. Well, that's what, it. That's like, the point I'm like, trying to make, though. You said I wouldn't enjoy his match. I said no because Trent Barretta is the only person and the best friends I like. The rest of them are garbage. That's my point. My point is, but also Adam Page, I am sick. I, I also don't like the fact that Cody Rhodes is doing this participation trophy shit with his titles. Trying to act like, we have no secondary belts. Look, I ain't here for this all those kids are winners bullshit. Okay? Your world champion is supposed to be your top guy. That is the title you want. That is the title you aspire to grab. The only reason Cody is using the TNT title as an excuse is because he can't grab the world title so he wants to justify that that TNT belt makes him a main eventer which I think is another reason why people boo his ass but anyway I'm sick of that I am sick of this there needs to be a pecking order at some point you can't do this rah rah all for one one for all bullshit at some point establish who your top guy is and put the belt on him and that's why I want to see Adam Page get treated better because he deserves it because he I'm tired of him taking a back seat to fucking TNT title matches like, his match opens the show, but the TNT title closes the show. Go kick rocks, Cody. I'm sorry. Go kick some rocks. Because clearly you've well, lost but, your mind. But also, like, this all depends on what kind of, like, that last match they're having. Is it, like, a, you know, a flaming tables match? Is it a cage match? So there's, like, stipulation when it comes to it. So there's a lot of planning, a lot of different things that go into it. So, um, yeah, I don't think you're accounting for everything. But, I mean, your, your, your formula kind of works for that old company you're talking about. For, like, the old man and for the boomers, whatever. Um, but for the television, you know, whatever, they typically put the champions on it. Sometimes it's a beginning segment, maybe just a promo or something. You know, you're going to have a world championship match every fucking week. So typically you have like a promo somewhere in between or the start of the show or the end of the show or it leads into something else. Um, but the pay-per-views, you know, the world champion always goes on last. That's for sure. So everybody knows like Adam Cole versus Hamming and Adam Page for a world title at Revolution. That's going to be the last match there, buddy. Damn well better be. I just hope Adam Page holds on to that belt because I, like I said, Adam Cole has done nothing in AEW 
to make me take him seriously as a main eventer. I, I, like I said, the people he's fought are not credible names in any way. He shouldn't even be getting this title shot because he has been outshined since he got here. No. Because literally, he showed up, then Brian Danielson showed up, and more people gave a damn about him mm. than Adam Cole. Okay. Oh, go and spew your hate. It's fine. I'll I'm take spe- it. I'm spewing the truth, man. The only reason he's even getting any attention right now is because Kenny's sitting at home with an injury. You think if Kenny was still there, Adam would be getting any attention right now? Absolutely. It's, called storytelling. it's called storytelling, kid. Well, the story is the shitty. I hope it gets better. They need a better writer. Okay, well, I'll, I'll talk to you next week <laughs> oh yeah all right so i guess uh last but not least we got to promote the rankings on here so right. currently your world champion we got hangman adam page the current uh heavyweight world champion your tnt champion you have sammy Guevara. world contender which may have changed because uh it went from the ninth but they haven't changed it typically be adam cole's number one contender murder hawk number two number three you got dante martin number four you have andrade el idolo and number five we have powerhouse hobbs and obviously your current world, women's world champion you you got Dr. Bird Baker, uh, your TBS champion, Jade Cargill. Number contender, you have Layla Hirsch. Number two, you have Thunder Rosa. Number three, you have Serena D. Number four, you have Anna J. And last but not least, you got Red Velvet, number five. And finally, for your tag team tournament, we here. We have Jurassic Express with Jungle Boy, Jungle Boy, uh, Jack Perry, and Luchasaurus. Number one contenders, it's the Ass Boys, the Gun Club. Number two, you have the Acclaimed. Number three, you have FTR. Number four, you have Kings of the Black Throne and Malachi Black and Brody King. And last but at least the job is himself private party those are your rankings for february 9th 2022 of aew yes and ladies and gentlemen of course uh we'll be back uh later this week for this week to see what goes down this week on dynamite um most likely unless some crazy plans happen uh, i assume wednesday night uh elvis and i should be able to uh recap uh aew dynamite and then thursday we'll have this out here for you guys that's the that's the goal that's the end goal We'll uh, see what happens, but uh, I'm I'm glad you guys uh, tuned into the Boochcast uh, this week. Elvis, as always, man, I thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me, and uh, I look forward to talking uh, some more AW with you later this week. Sounds good, brother. Well, I hope you have a good one. For all you folks out there, thanks so much for listening. And don't forget to like and subscribe to our channels. We are currently on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and I mostly a lot of the little podcast series you have out there. Don't forget to follow us on the YouTubes, on YouTube, on Instagram, and I I know how to call the YouTubes. I want to sound old, okay? It sounds fun. The YouTubes. Everything's going to be at the Boochcast, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, forget, Don't forget, just you know, tell your friends, like-minded people. Hey, do you like wrestling? Do you like weird shit? Want to hear some, oh, um, just some grumpy old man talk about shit that makes no sense? Listen to the Boochcast. All right. <laughs> and don't forget, we are on Patreon, so you go to our page. Vinny will give you all the deets on the bottom. You can follow us on there, and you can follow along and pay your favorite podcaster and say, I want to get $5 to Elvis, because I think he needs a hot and ready so we're gonna do just that um otherwise we'll just keep donating money towards the feed zachariah scott robin noodles um don't forget to uh find us on twitch and on youtube we currently got a whole bunch of series for dark side of the ring um we will be doing our wrestlemania gm mode eventually when it comes out um i'll be actually getting credentials to do the oculus so i have a game i usually play on there called demio um so if you guys are fans um go on uh instagram on the page whatever or on facebook and um we could start a group and if you guys want to jump on together or you want to hang out with me we could sit there and go through some dungeons 
games together. Um, we'll start a little room group, whatever, a boochcast group where we can sit there and play games on, um, I, I like tabletop games, so or you want to play poker or something, go on the um, old VR, sit there and chat, talk about wrestling, talk about the strategies for the game, whatever. Um, so we got quite a few things in the burner going on right now, and um, Vinny, do you have anything for the people out there? Uh, yes. Um, in addition to Spotify and iHeartRadio, we are also on Anchor, Breaker, and Google Podcasts, so you can follow us there. Uh, also, um, on Facebook, uh, we got something special on there. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, today at the time we're recording this, it is Valentine's Day. We have a special Valentine's Day video that I put together uh, for the Boochcast YouTube channel, so make sure you check it out. Um, I'm, and I'm, and, and, if, and unless Elvis wants to talk about it now, maybe we'll wait till next week. I'm intrigued to see what you guys felt about it, because I sent it to you guys. I hope you liked it. Oh, I, I don't know. I think it's better to ask next week, because I haven't watched it yet. Okay, so yeah, so we have the, uh, I got the Valentine's Day video for you guys to check out on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash theboochcast. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at theboochcast for the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Uh, pretty soon, I'm, I'm still trying to finish up because I try to post them one at a time. Uh, I'm getting a couple of the, uh, I'm still, I'm almost done putting up the AEW stuff from Duluth when we went to the show. I'm kind of spacing them out, but also, we'll, we'll, we'll have some stuff from uh, Elvis's vacation in Puerto Rico. We'll be up there as well, so follow us on Instagram for all that content because... That's where we exclusively put photos like that. And also, uh, on the uh, Twitch channel, uh, our, we got our next uh, live watch party. will be April the 2nd and April the 3rd for nights 1 and 2 of WrestleMania 38. So, um, obviously, hopefully for night 2, we can all get together. But night 1, I'm still trying to figure out how we're going to go about that one. Because uh, unless the team wants to do something together without me, I may be planning something for night 1. But I definitely want to get the team together for night 2. Because by then, I should be uh, I should be back in town by then. Uh, so, April 2nd and 3rd, be ready for WrestleMania 38. Also, we got, uh, like I said, they got the gaming stuff going on the D show with john and uh also if you want to support the boochcast um we used to have a patreon page but what you want to do really is go to anchor.fm slash the boochcast slash support that's how you can support the podcast and you have three options that you can donate to every month you can either send us 99 cents per month 4.99 per month or 9.99 per month you get to pick the level you want to donate at all your donations go to helping us build the boochcast up so make sure you guys go there as well and uh i guess unless you got one more thing to promote i'm ready i'm ready to wrap it up yeah don't follow me on facebook don't follow me on instagram don't follow me anywhere just follow the witchcast way better he puts more content out there i don't care about that stuff so um <laughs> yeah i really see nope i got nothing else for you guys all righty so until next time this is Vinny bucci aka the booch saying keep on living life and take care this has been the booch cast we'll talk to you guys next time until then Goodbye. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye bye. Keep warm. Relax. Eddie. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.